Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, tonight we're discussing Roe vs. Wade and we are starting right now with our opening statements. Thanks so much for being with us, Kendon. The floor is all yours. Uh, okay, yeah, so abortion is, in my opinion, le uh, legal infanticide. Um, I believe that an unborn child is a developing person and therefore um, killing, uh, aborting a an unborn fetus is a form of, well, it's just killing a child. Um, the arguments for abortion are purely economic and not moral. I am not satisfied with any of the moral arguments that have been presented by pro-lifers. Um, I am also wary that abortion leads uh, opens the door to ideas of eugenics, and the idea of designer babies. It also reduces uh, human beings to um, cold matter in a dead universe and ignores any kind of spiritual you know, spiritual definition or meaning that a person might have. Um, obviously, we're doing this because Roe versus Wade has been overturned in the United States. I am genuinely pleased about this for a number of reasons. Um, I've never been comfortable with Roe versus Wade. I've never been comfortable with the arguments defending it, such as a woman's right to privacy, which, which strikes me as a technicality. And so I am very much on the pro-life side of things. I will pass over my time to Stardust, and if she's got anything to come back with, that's fine. Thanks so much. We will indeed kick it over to Stardust. want to say, folks, if it's your first time here, welcome to Modern Day Debate. We are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics. We hope you feel welcome no matter what walk of life you are from. And with that, thanks so much, Stardust. The floor is all yours for your opening as well. Uh, yeah, so thanks for having me. Um, so uh, an abortion, uh, in my opinion, is a medical procedure that should be decided between a doctor and a a patient. Um, and while I think my opponent and I can agree that abortion should be a last choice, I think it's a necessary choice to be available to those who need it. Um, the point in which human life begins doesn't really matter to me in the argument about whether abortion should be available or not, um, because I look at the outcomes of denying people abortions, um, and I look at the outcomes of uh, of countries where abortion has been banned. Um, uh, we can even look at, um, you know, a lot of people will say, well, people are not responsible and that's why, you know, we shouldn't be um, allowing abortions. 64% um, of people who um, have an unintended pregnancy were on a contraceptive method. Um, a lot of the times, um, in, in fact, most unintended pregnancies in the United States are caused not by contraceptive um, uh um, like not by um, not having contraceptive by a gap in coverage um, or a, a gap in use. Right. Um, so it kind of you kind of have to have like a perfect mix of disaster to become um, unintended, have an unintended pregnancy. Um, and I do think that uh, it's an important medical procedure. Um, again, if, if you believe that life begins at fertilization, there are tons of eggs that are, um, that are disposed of through in vitro fertilization. Um, there are tons of miscarriages that happen. Um, uh, a good portion of pregnancies end in miscarriages. Um, so uh, it doesn't really, um, it doesn't really speak to me if you think that life begins at conception or 
at fertilization or implantation, um, at the end of the day, we know that abortions are going to happen, whether they're legal or not. Um, and since at least one third of women, I believe, uh, who seek abortions in the United States have had children already, we're now putting those children at risk of losing a parent because they will be seeking a back alley abortion. You got it. And we're going to jump into open conversation. Want to let you know many upcoming debates, folks. For example, at the bottom right of your screen, tomorrow night, a debate on whether or not science fits more comfortably with atheism or theism. You don't want to miss that tag team debate tomorrow night. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss more upcoming debates. And with that, thanks so much, Kenan and Stardust. The floor is all yours for open dialogue. Okay, well, Stardust, if I may respond to some of the points you just made there. Um, yes, I am one of those people who believes that life begins at conception, because, of course, it does. That's what the medical science tells us. But I agree, that's actually by the by. Um, you're all, but uh, you're also conflating different events. Like, you're talking about the fertilised egg phenomenon. Um, obviously, if a woman miscarries, that's not, well, that's technically an abortion, because that's what abortion means, that in the medical term mm -hmm. is for when the, the womb flushes out the fertilised egg. Um, what we're actually talking about is what we used to call terminations, medical terminations. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we let's not quibble the semantics. When I say abortion, we both know what I mean by that. Um, so miscarriage is unfortunate, but it's not an abortion that we're, like, we're talking about. Um, the um, in vitro fertilization, I actually agree that fertilizing a load of eggs and then destroying a lot of these fetuses is also immoral um, because you're destroying potential, well, not potential life. They are alive. Um, that's also something that I would absolutely forbid you do it one at a time, basically just to, to restrict that wastage um, in terms of, you know, uh, gap in coverage with contraception and things like that. Uh, it's the responsibility of whoever uses the contraception to make sure that they use it properly. Now, obviously, for women, it's, there's, there, I mean, you know this startup, so I'm not going to give you an extra female contraception for growing out loud. Um, but obviously, for men, like men, for example, could wear condoms and things like that to increase, um, reduce the likelihood of unwanted pregnancies. So, yeah, gap in coverage doesn't move me at all. If you fall pregnant, there is another life in play. There is the life in the belly of the, of the mother. Second problem, um, the, the, when you come to personal responsibility, you say that, well, uh, there are children who are alive who might lose a mother to a back alley abortion. Well, obviously, I don't want people to go to quacks who've got coat hangers or whatever, you know, improvised medical equipment. But that's the other thing, because you mentioned because they've already got kids. Therefore, you are mentioning an argument, an economic argument. It's not moral. So the idea is, is that, oh, if you can't afford, you know, you've got two children, you can't afford a third one. First of all, I don't believe that's entirely true. And second of all, it's still not an excuse for killing the baby. See, I could understand if a woman um, fell pregnant by accident, you know, not, not through rape or anything like that. She fell pregnant by accident. Uh, she can't afford the child. She could, if she wanted to, give the baby up for adoption. Now, I realise that adoption services, well, adoption services in Britain are crap. I don't know what they're like in the United States. I imagine they're not particularly good because uh, foster care systems are rubbish all over the world. But you st it's still not a reason for killing a child. So I'm not particularly moved by that argument either. And I've, I think that's enough rambling for me. So if you want to come back on that, Stardust, feel free to do so. Yeah, um, so... So you can make the argument that people can give up um, their children to um, adoption agencies um, if they really um, feel like they're incapable of raising a child. Um, 
But um, we've seen what happens in countries where where there have been ban, uh, bans on abortion, like Romania is an excellent example. Um, and when um, when Romania, like um, when when basically communism fell, basically there were there are thou- hundreds of thousands of children that were found in these orphanages in Romania. And a lot of them were shackled to the beds. A lot of them had never been touched by a human being before. A lot of them had been stunted because they were um, uh, they 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 had no development basically, nobody there to help them develop. Um, so yeah, it was about like 170,000 children um, were um, kept in these like um, a- adoption uh, centers. And um, and I don't think that that's a great outcome either. If we're looking at like the best outcome for for children that currently exist and and for children that may come to exist later, I think making abortion available is the only way to to kind of um, allow for that. Um, uh, we can look at what happens to women who are turned away from abortions. There there's a turnaway study I like to look at a lot of the time. Um, Women who are turned away from abortions oftentimes are um, uh, stay with violent partners, um, and they often expose their their existing children and the unborn child to violence in the home. Um, as a result of that, people who are turned away from abortions often are uh, experience financial hardship for like up to five years after they've been turned away. Um, I believe it's like twenty percent of people who seek out abortions are also doing so because um, they feel that they can't emotionally um, uh, handle um, being pregnant. They feel their mental health is not in a place where they can handle being pregnant. Um, so I do think that if we're looking at outcomes overall, we're looking at like quality of life overall, I think the best way to ensure that everybody has a better quality of life and that we actually can take care of people um, who exist in this world, I think the best way to do that is make sure that abortion is available. Okay. Um, well, well, the problem with that is that, again, what you're doing is the, I will should explain a, a more nuanced position that I hold, Stardust. Um, this is where the conversation starts. It's not where it stops. So yes, Roe versus Wade, Wade has been repealed. Hooray for me and my side. But I am also conscious of the fact that there will be outcomes. There will be impact from this. Uh, there'll be a mess to mop up. So you mentioned, for example, all the examples you've given of um, anti-abortion laws failing are actually problems to do with either foster care or um, government welfare and things like that. So you use the example of the Romanian orphanages. Now, I know about this one because I follow someone on TikTok called Roma, who was adopted by Canadians and was from a Romanian orphanage. Uh, by, sorry, adopted by Canadians from a Romanian orphanage. And um, so she knows something about this. And she knows it was um, Nicolae, was it Nicolae, Nicholas? I forget his first name. Ceausescu, who was a psychopath, um, obviously didn't care about people, he, like most communist dictators saw people as a mass and didn't care about individual human suffering at all. Um, though when you're saying, you know, you're talking about uh, children being chained to railings, you're talking about children that are malnourished, you're talking about children who've never been touched by another human being. 
those are not arguments for abortion. Those are arguments for, you know, prosecution under the law for child abuse and for improvements in the Romanian foster care system. It doesn't justify the killing of unborn children because, well, that's expensive and difficult. Therefore, we should destroy the unborn children to make sure that the problem doesn't occur. Uh, you also mentioned the fact that the increase in violence in the home and things like this because they don't have access to abortion and things like that. It creates stress, money worries. I'm not opposed to um, governments um, issuing, I mean, obviously in the UK, we have something called child, um, what do we call it now? Is We want to call it child, but it's like child, in, a child income support or child benefit allowance to allow uh, young, newborn, young mothers or new mothers with newborn children to buy essentials for the baby, you know, things like nappies and formula and things like that. You know, I'm sure a lot of them spend it on booze or whatever, but it's meant to work for the essentials of the baby. So, again, there are ways that you can deal with that. You could tweak this issue. The only downside I can see in somewhere like a country like yours, the United States, is because you think, well, well, your country seems to think that welfare is communism. Um, it's unlikely that you're going to get a lot of this stuff. Now, obviously, it, again, that's an add on. So what you do is you say, right, we're not going to kill unborn children. Every single human being, regardless of social status or intellectual ability, has innate value. Is you know, we went back in the bad old days when God was alive. We used to say that every child, every human being was a child of God, was made in the image of God, and therefore had a special value that no human agency could take away. We've lost all that now. But I'd like to see that return, maybe even in a secular fashion. This idea that, you know, there's some basic, basic things that people should, you know, society, you know, the wider culture should offer to people who are struggling um, in whatever circumstance. So, um, yeah, if you want to pick that up, start us. Feel free sure. To I think the issue, though, is um, repealing Roe v. Wade wouldn't be as much of an issue if we had other laws in place that would help alleviate these conditions. But what it leads to now, because we are repealing it, and we know through the repeal, at least I think 13 states are going to have um, abortion bans overall, we're basically forcing people to have unwanted children and not um, creating the circumstances for people to raise those children in a healthy household and a healthy community um, with um, enough resources to, uh, to give to that child. Um, so what this seems like to me is that we're, we're basically forcing people, um, on one end without providing a solution to them to make sure that those children being raised are now going to have good lives. Um, uh, so it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't really speak to me that when, when you talk about it, um, as, you know, the, the right to having this life when, when the people who are trying to help um, keep, bring up this life, don't even have the resources to do so, right? Um, and then we we have to leave it up to the state then. And this, we know that the state system of like foster care is not good. We know that that it, it's just a it's a horrible system to go through. Um, so I and I I you know I I think we can agree that like we don't want abortion to be the first thing that people turn to. But when we don't even come up with with solutions, with laws, with with programs that can help families um, and help even single mothers uh, raising children, then what what choice are we leaving them? Well, the, um, Stardust, the problem is, is that because obviously I come from the UK and I'm still mm -hmm. in the UK, I've been all over the world. Um, the trouble, the thing about, uh, and I'm, I, I should, 
give you some background. I studied English and American literature and culture at university, which doesn't make me an expert on America because I don't live there. But it means that obviously I've looked at your culture. It's the evolution of its political system and things like that. Um, mm. I don't I mean, you are but you are an Amer- you are American, aren't you? Not, not Canadian. Yeah. Is that right? I'm Canada. American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So obviously, I can I can never tell the accents apart. I do apologise. Um, but the um, yeah, the, the the trouble is, is that your system, it, welfare programs in your country don't work for two reasons. One, Americans don't seem to like it. The American culture is very individualistic and doesn't like socialised, centralised anything. But also because it's a federal system, there's no one federal plan that's ever worked effectively. There's no centralized authority that can really, no no centralized federal program that really meets the needs of the people it's meant to serve. So you could argue, yes, okay, we we could get rid of babies, unborn babies, to save us the bother. But even if we did, the idea that the government will solve the problem, at least, well, it's certainly true in the UK, it's definitely true in your your country, uh, that doesn't work either. Um, It has to start, America works best when it works locally. And that's also true in the UK. Um, we, you know, national welfare programs are terrible on, you know, on a grander scale, but in local areas, particularly in like greater city, greater metropolitan areas, local councils are more effective because they can deal with local issues at the local level. So yet you are going to have to leave it up to the states, even if the states, even if you don't like those states, because that is only the, the only effective way you're going to deal with the inevitable fallout of banning abortion on demand um yeah do you want to come back on that you can do um yeah i mean i i just think that um i i can agree that like you know we like generally america doesn't like to provide these types of programs um uh or when they do provide the programs they don't really do do much um and oftentimes there's like a lot of paperwork and a lot of hoops to jump through um so I, I can agree with that. Um, I still think that, um, again, you know, so many like there is a percentage of abortions that are done because they're medically necessary. Those need to be available. And um, and and there's there's a percentage of, of abortions that are done because, again, um, because of rape or because of incest or because of a birth defect where the child will be born and live in horrible pain and then die. Uh, So, I mean, I think these are things that need to be available. Um, And again, regardless of whether it's legal or not, people are going to have them regardless. So it's either we, we now, either we have it legal and they're having safe ones and we can try to encourage them to have to, to, um, to take actions prior to becoming pregnant uh, so that they don't have to enter that situation or we can make it illegal and and do the same. But now people who seek an abortion are now going to be so much more likely to um, experience um, a complication or even death. Okay, so um, I and my pro fellow pro-lifers like uh, Kay Fellows, who's um, often appeared on this channel and has, and has spoken on, mm-hmm. is also like pro-life pagan. I don't know if you've ever met her. Um, yeah, I've met her, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, rational pro-lifers like us do mm-hmm. not oppose medically necessary abortions. So if mm-hmm. pregnancy or birth would kill the mother, 
and there is no way you can sort of cut the baby out and let it live outside of the womb in a incubator or something like that then obviously an abortion is the lesser of two evils but it's still it's a necessary evil and um that's but we just still recognize it as the the the, the killing of unborn child um your your point about if the child is born deformed or disabled will suffer and then die there are very few conditions that i can think of that i've looked up in preparation for the conversations like this where a child is going to you know suffer an agonizing youth and then die prematurely they, they, they just it, i can't even think of one off the top of my head most people when they say oh well if the child is disabled or deformed what they tend to be in is down syndrome because that's one of the few congenital defects or you know uh, chromosomal mutations that can be detected in utero i'm sorry but that's not a compelling argument if your if your response to oh my child's got down syndrome is kill it then that makes you a not a, a very not not very nice person um it's a eugenicist argument it's the idea that these people because they are uh, chromosomally mutated are undeserving of life if you take that to its logical extreme and i'm not saying that you have done or will do you can justify an awful lot of nonsense with that kind of reasoning you know what if if they're a burden in the belly why aren't they a burden in the street you know what why can't i round up people with genetic abnormalities and send them for you know send them to a shower room that pipes gas in you know why why can't i do you know it it that's it opens that door and i don't want to open that i want to keep that door firmly shut and preferably locked um for this reason i don't like designer babies i'm not a big fan of ivf again i don't like the element of choice i don't believe that every because again expanding on this i'm not in favor of the death penalty i don't believe that human agency should decide whether individual human lives uh, have you know human beings have the right to live it it weirds me out it's creepy so i don't want it I, I, it's even if someone deserves to die we don't deserve to kill them do you see do you see the distinction there so mm-hmm. i just back away from all of it there are things there are topics i will not will not allow you know government agencies certainly to flirt with uh again if you want to pick that up Free. Yeah. Uh, so again, I, I, I'm not advocating for people to be having abortions because um, they uh, find out their child is going to have Down syndrome. Right. Um, I, I am talking about those few cases. Right. Where, uh, again, there are when I'm talking about like medical abnormalities, we're talking about like, you know, birth defects, things like that. Um, or things that harm the mother. But um, since you don't seem to have like um, a disagreement with that, again, I would just bring it back to the fact that we know abortions will be happening regardless of whether they're illegal or legal. And I think the best way to prevent more abortions is not to make it illegal, it, but to prevent more abortions, the way to, to, to prevent more abortions is to make contraceptives easily accessible um, yes. to as many people as possible. Glad we can agree on that one um, to, yes. you know, have, have a uh, social programs that will help people. Um, but it, yeah, as far as making, making abortion illegal, it's not, it's not going to stop people from getting abortions. People are going to find a way to get them regardless. Yes, that's absolutely true. But I'm afraid Stardust, I'm not moved by that argument either. I should explain. Um, you can use that argument to justify pretty much anything. Like, for example, you and I would agree that slavery is wrong. No, we, we shouldn't own people as property. People are not livestock to be harnessed with a you know with the, with, mm. with reins and used to pull farm equipment. Right? Slavery, bad idea. People are going to own slaves though. 
So, you know, people are going to find a way of enslaving people because slavery is still a problem in the United States, in, in all the Western countries, it definitely in the Arab world. The entire, I mean, I used to live in the Middle East and I know that the entire Arab world runs on slave labor. It's quite horrendous. Uh, Chinese sweatshops, you know, I'm sure, mega, I'm sure we want to talk about mega corporations enslaving their own people um, in, in their own countries to do this work. So people are always going to find ways of doing it. Still doesn't make it right. Still doesn't mean I have to lie. Still doesn't mean I have to like legalize sure. it or make it a comfortable thing. So when it comes to so okay, maybe that's a bit it's a it's a bit extreme, my example. But yeah, the idea that people are going to do it anyway to me is not a compelling argument because you are still going to reduce the number of abortions. You are still going to reduce the number of people who want it. Also, if your response to being pregnant with, and let's face it, most pregnancies are healthy and viable. You know, um, the, the medical intervention only comes in when the mother chooses to have one. It's not because, oh, by the way, this birth is going to kill you, because I'm sure there are plenty of examples from El Salvador, from Ireland, but which obviously up until relatively recently had draconian anti-abortion laws where women were basically on death's door because the state refused to intervene and, you know, perform a medically necessary abortion. So no one rational with an IQ above room temperature is arguing that if birth would kill the mother, that they have to carry the baby to term, because you're going to end up, it's, you're still going to end up with a corpse at the end of it, and your your inaction is leading to that death. So yeah, that's not the point I'm making. What was the other point? Um, oh, I've lost my train of thought. I've rambled my way into a corner. I do apologise, Stardust. It's fine. Terrible. Uh, it's terrible. So to address your point about slavery, the reason why um, why we were able to part of the reason why we were able to successfully like reduce slavery so much and make it not a normal thing is that we provided people the ability to um, to you know enter um, society and make lives for themselves. Right? It's not it's not that we make something illegal and that's the end of it. Right? There has to be other things that go along with that. That um, that enable people to have better lives, and when we talk about abortion, um, again, you know, the, we don't have those those things available. People and abortion is a bit different from slavery in that, like you, you know, slavery is like an ongoing process you have to maintain, right? Like, um, like abortion is something that people seek out um, to you know, when they are in a hard part in their lives, you know, they, um, they either think they're not emotionally able to handle carrying a child, um, or they're not financially able, you know, something like, like, I think over half of people who seek out abortions are living below like the federal poverty line. Um, so, um, and a lot of them are not even able to cover their, their basic living expenses prior to having a child. Um, so, you know, it, like when we talk about this, uh, again, I'm all for things that will reduce the amount of people getting abortions, but making it illegal doesn't seem like one of those things. Um, it will only reduce it, it and it won't reduce it out of like a, a good reason to reduce it. It'll reduce it because it's illegal. It's not reducing it because now this person has the resources to take care of a child. Um, and, you know, oftentimes like, um, you know, the, when people um, find out also back to the uh, the birth um, defect thing, a lot of the times, you know, you don't realize that a child is going to have a serious um, de defect until like later on in the pregnancy. I do think that these are things that need to be like, again, decisions that are left up to a doctor and a patient. Um, I, I, you know, it should always be advised by a doctor. 
Um, and I, you know, again, like, um, yeah, pe- people are just not going to stop having abortions because it's illegal. They will just find a way. Uh, already, you see an influx in people talking about how to make um, uh, at-home birth um, uh, abortion pills. Um, people talking about you know things that you can take to um, to stop a pregnancy. Um, so, um, I guess that's kind of where I was going with this for now, I guess. So, yeah. Well, well, okay. Oh, no, no, fair enough. I mean, I'll, I'll take your points uh, one at a time. Um, the problem is with making slavery, I mean, well, there's no problem with making slavery illegal, obviously, but um, repealing slavery means that it, in, it allowed people to move forward to abolish, to crush slavery wherever they found it. It gave people permission to say, this is not an institution we respect in our country anymore. We want nothing to do with it. We could go after it. Um, if you take away the right of abortion, you take the easy way, you take away the easy exit route. This is one of the reasons, like, for example, one of the reasons I believe, and this is something that you might disagree with because you live in your own country and therefore you would know more, have more details. One of the reasons why American lefties, because I'm not left wing, one of the reasons why American lefties find it so difficult to get social welfare programs that most post-industrial Western countries have is because people just think it's unnecessary. Because abortion is the cheaper option, right? It's like it's cheaper, it's cheaper to kill a baby than to feed it. Let's be honest. You know, I mean we I mean we could both agree on that. So abortion is seen as the way forward. By taking away that option and by increasing the number of births, you would inevitably, at least on local levels, increase a uh, demand for the very welfare programs that lefties have been calling for in your country for decades. So there's that to look forward to. Um, the second thing is, I don't know about all this, uh, whether, you know, people who want abortion fall below the poverty line. I have to trust you on that one because I haven't got any numbers to confirm that. Um, you know, you said something else as well. Uh, yes, the many defects in a child are not revealed until later in the pregnancy. Still don't care. I don't. I'm not. I'm not comfortable with the, this idea that because a child, because you have to bear in mind, Stardust, that you can get rid of a child for no reason whatsoever. And this is something that I think a lot of pro-choice activists are not aware of. Um, what a woman. I'm sure you've heard her name, but a woman at the centre of abortion in the United States was a woman called uh, Norma McCorvey who died in 2017, and her obituary was published in The Economist. That's how prominent she was. And uh, she was um, a, pro-la- a pro-choice activist right back in the early days, before Roe vs. Wade was passed. When it was finally passed, uh, she couldn't have an abortion. She gave her child up for adoption, and she went to work for an abortion clinic, which had recently become legal. And so when she was working on the reception desk, she got to hear the reasons that people gave, women gave, for wanting an abortion. And she wasn't satisfied with most of them. She said, you don't actually have a reason to abort the child. You're just doing it because it's a matter of convenience. Um, Norma McCorvey is, of course, known to American legal history as Jane Roe. And Jane Roe is the centre of Roe versus Wade. So the woman, the, the, the figure at the centre of Roe versus Wade, converted to Roman Catholicism and became an anti-abortion activist for the rest of her natural life. So... The trouble is, is that I don't think disability is grounds for abortion. I don't think that poverty is necessarily grounds for abortion. Uh, these are excuses to get rid of a problem. And I don't regard any human being as a problem. Or they, they're a challenge, mm-hmm. a puzzle to be solved, but they're not a problem. Because I can get rid of problems, I can't get rid of puzzles. Do you see, do you see where I'm going with that? 
Sure. But I don't really care about like, uh, so like you said, still don't care. Like I still don't care what like this one person is saying about, about um, the reasons for people getting abortions, right? Um, financial reasons may make 40% of the people who seek out an abortion, but financial reasons is just one of many reasons that they choose. It's only something like 5% of people who seek out abortions are getting it prime um, only for a financial reason. It's usually in, in, in addition to not being financially prepared, but also like there's um, like at least a third of women who seek out abortions are doing it because of partner related reasons. Either their their partner has already become abusive far before they became pregnant or um, or a lot of the time, the first time that people uh, for a lot of women, um, the first time that people experience violence in, in a relationship is when they become pregnant and it, it tends to escalate when they become pregnant. Um, so it, it, financial reasons are not the only reason that people seek out abortion. It's just one of many. It may be one most common one that happens, but it's usually accompanied by something else, whether that is a partner related um, reason, whether that is a health related reason, whether that is um, uh, um, a, you know, a mental health thing. Right. Um, So there, so, so yeah, there's, it's not for no reason, right. It is, if, if you are in a situation and, and, you know, a lot of these uh, domestic abuse situations often escalate. Um, And so now you feel like, you, um, you're not ready for a pregnancy because, um, the person you're with is violent. Um, the child that you already have is, is being exposed to this violence in the household. You don't have the ability to like separate yourself, move yourself away from that person and terminate a pregnancy. If the, if, uh, um, you know, sorry, not terminate and, and carry a pregnancy, um, uh, at the same time. It's just not it's it's not something that a lot of people can do. Um, so it, like when we we look at this, uh, people often think that people are doing this out of convenience. And sure, you can say it's out of convenience. But I would say that, like, um, if if you have a partner who is um, either in and out of jail or who is physically abusive with you or is um, not uh, financially um, able to support you or you yourself having are having serious mental health issues. Um, yeah, it's still technically for convenience, but it, but these are very legitimate reasons. Well, n- well, this is it. I mean, I can understand, you know, because there are difficult situations. Another confession, I should say, I used to be a high school English teacher. Um, so I know I've taught kids from troubled backgrounds, as we say euphemistically in the profession. I don't do I don't teach English anymore because I recovered my sanity. Um, so, yeah, I understand that there can be. But again, none of these are reasons for abortion. What these are are reasons for something else. So you say, for example, if the partner, presumably a male partner, is abusive or they're always in and out of jail or they can't hold a job or whatever, that's an argument for removing mother and baby or the partner. It's not a rebut for, not an argument for killing the baby. Likewise, right, but, you often, said some- but, but often, like you're, like I said, you can't remove the, them from that situation and carry a child to, um, you know, full to term while doing that. It's just not possible financially. No, but it could be. This is the point. But no, 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 scenario, no scenario, Stardust, that you have proposed in, uh, you know, those nightmare scenarios like the husband's abuse, that the part, male partner is abusive or the male partner goes to jail, the male partner can't hold a job. Those are not arguments for killing an unborn child. Those are arguments for 
doing something else to mitigate those circumstances because the you, the the argument or the, the not the argument but the the solution to the problem cannot begin with destroying the problem if the problem is that is the problem the pregnancy or the problem the abusive partner or the criminal history or whatever it is but instead of dealing with all of that which i would argue is much more important and much more you know socially important if you destroy the baby, you kind of cut out, you kind of, ignore, not you personally, but one ignores all of the other factors because what you've done is, oh, well, we've just reduced the burden. Well, it's it a lesser of two evils, work. right? No, it, but like, it, when no, you, you no. yourself, wait, wait, we were talking earlier, you talked about um, how it's a lesser of two evils to terminate a pregnancy because it's um, going to cause um, harm to the mother. Right. Is it not also the lesser of two evils to terminate a pregnancy because you were financially unable to both carry a child to term while leaving an abusive partner? Is it not the lesser of two evils? I would say that, like, if you if carrying a child to term is going to expose two children to physical harm um, and and the and the woman. Then I would say that it, it is the lesser of two evils to terminate the pregnancy. If it's going to cause the woman harm it, because it causes her, it, there's a, a birth issue. Um, I think it's just as valid to say that um, that it's fine to terminate a pregnancy if it's going to put other children at harm. So, because a man can't control his temper, say an unborn baby and an entire human timeline should die. Well, because. Because a mother can't um, can't just, uh, you know, carry a child to term despite, you know, whatever medical just like sit with it and take it. We should just terminate a, a terminate a pregnancy then just because she's going to have some sort of uh, a defect. Why can't the husband just take care of it if she if she passes? What What's the big deal? Well, because there's very there are very few births where, if, you know, very few children, so, you know, a woman could a baby might survive the birth it might kill the mother but obviously i don't want the mother to die either see what we're doing is now we're conflating social issues with medical problems see there are very you know it's highly unlikely that if social if a woman issues is- are tied though social issues are tied inherently to medical issues right like people with lower incomes are more likely to have birth defects or more likely to have defects that that um are going to um like again people with lower incomes and people in the lower federal income bracket are more likely across the board to be in abusive relationships to experience um birth defects to experience um uh, addiction um there's like a whole bunch of like th- th- these are why we kind of like we 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 look at health as a whole and health is very tied to to your um your economic um uh income and 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 your economic status right if the object is to do no harm then abortion would count as harm because there's an unborn life an entire timeline that's been abandoned mm-hmm. it's an abnegation of responsibility my argument as i said i said earlier in this conversation this is where the conversation starts, not where it stops. I'm not suggesting for a moment that there won't be difficulties. I'm not suggesting for a moment that there won't be social programs that need to be instigated. What I am suggesting is I'm removing an option from the table. I want I want more options, yes, but this can't be one of them. So if the argument is, well, my husband can't control his hands, 
we're poor. We live in Dogpatch, Nebraska. And um, I, you know, we're finding it difficult to bang into me. And he, you know, keeps hitting me. Killing an unborn child, it's one less, it's one less problem. But it's it, the solution doesn't fix anything else. I'd much rather fit, help mother and baby than just mother in that scenario. Does that make sense? Right. But then again, we're talking about you are fine with a us terminating a pregnancy if it's going to harm the mother. Why is the mother's uh, I'm, I'm, health, uh, why does that overrule the, the potential life of that child? Well, no, but the only reason I suggest if it kills the mother is because it's highly unlikely for a woman to carry a baby to term and give birth to it. If the baby, if the baby birth is going to kill her, even if the baby, uh, if birth is going to kill the mother, you can always perform, for example, a cesarean section. I was born by C-section. That's why my head is a cube. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't squeezed by the vaginal canal. Vaginal canal. Um, so, yeah, you can carry a baby to term. But if birth kills the mother, then obviously there's C-section. If pregnancy kills the mother, then you kill the, you'd have to perform an abortion or a medical termination. Because either way, if the if it's if the pregnancy is going to kill the mother, the baby's going to die anyway. So in that scenario, not the necessarily. Becomes- it's rare, but but it's not necessarily right. You, we can definitely say that like it's it's less likely. But in the case that we know, in the very rare case that we know that a, a woman um, is going to die by giving birth, but the child can still live, I don't see why with your argument why we would put the mother first. Well, also, well, what no, is what's we'll, stopping we'll, us from what's stopping us from 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 um, prosecuting people for miscarriages? Then, right? If somebody doesn't take all the steps to prevent having a miscarriage, um, why are why what's stopping us from from prosecuting them for having an abortion? Well, two problems there. First of all, um, if birth giving birth and C section not the same thing. So if birth kills the mother. Obviously, we want mother to live, so we would cut the baby from her. We can do that now. We have the technology. With regards to punishing people for miscarriage, that would be ridiculous. Miscarriage is a is a natural phenomenon. It is perfectly plausible for a young mother, you know, mother to be, you know, mother who's pregnant, woman who's pregnant, to do go take all the hormones, take all the vitamins, do all the exercises, and Mother Nature, who is a fickle mistress, let's be honest, can just say, you know what, screw it, flush it out. It and I've, I've because I know you know obviously I've never had a miscarriage but I've I've I know women in my circle who've had stillbirths miscarriages um, they've suffered the disappointment of not even being able to get pregnant you know there's the whole drama behind all of that and it's traumatic I know one of my old uh, when I was teaching in in down in Essex one of my old colleagues um, was pregnant she'd always wanted to be but was told by a doctor when she was younger she'd never fall pregnant. So when she did fall pregnant, it was great, but then the baby died in utero and she had to go to hospital to have it surgically, have, have the corpse of the baby surgically removed. Now, I've never asked details about that because one, I don't want to know. Two, it's not my place to really ask that sort of thing. But that's hor- that's horrifying. Um, you can't punish people for a natural action over which they have no control. You could argue, and I don't do this, you could argue that if you induced a miscarriage, like you, you know, used a coat hanger or something, that you could punish someone for doing that. Um, But obviously you'd have to prove it and uh, it's getting in the weeds. The point I'm making is you cannot, if, if the baby is healthy and viable, if the mother is healthy and viable, and the mother can bring the baby to term and give birth without any medical complications whatsoever, 
abortion on demand is completely unjustified. You're only doing it because you either A, can't be bothered, or B, you don't want to suffer the stress of it, or C, that um, you're afraid of the financial responsibility, which can be mitigated against. That the, the solution to all of the social problems that you have proposed, and I recognise them as social problems because we have them in the UK as well, the solution to the social problem is not exterminating human beings. That right. tends, history is that often enough, that you have to, we have to find something else a bit more compassionate and right. uh, humane. Okay, so what is the line between somebody inducing a miscarriage and inducing an abortion? Where is the line? We have had people in the United States. We've had people in the United States who have been charged for having miscarriages. We've had people in the United States who have been charged for um, uh, for like somebody else inducing a miscarriage. So. Where is the line? Because we can look at that. Also, if you are saying we have to prove that somebody's miscarriage was was in with intent, you were just talking about earlier. We shouldn't be allowing people to have um, abortions just because they're in a a horrible home life and their children are being exposed to harm in that home life and abuse in that home life. Right. And then. If, but by that same logic, we would have to, again, prove that that person within, you know, uh within that time period is um, one being abused by their abuser, or if they are, it's a, if it's a rape, like that they were raped by a rapist, right? How are we going to prove that? Oftentimes people don't even seek out um, medical care after they've been abused or after they've been raped. Mm -hmm. Well, I would argue that if you're inducing a miscarriage, then you're performing a form of auto abortion. You're actually performing an abortion on yourself. So I wouldn't actually draw a distinction at all. Um, There's, but also, I am aware uh, in places like El Salvador, for example, that women have gone to prison for miscarriage. Well, that's lunacy. You know, the burden of proof would have to fall on the prosecution to prove that the defendant um, has killed the baby. If you can't do that re- within, with reasonable, uh, if you can't prove it beyond reasonable doubt, um, then it, unfortunately, the, the woman walks free. So I'm not, I'm not one of these people who thinks, because I think the problem with the pro-life argument is it's misframed by pro-choice activists because they think that it's really about either punishing women or restricting women or it's something about you know we're seeking revenge on women in some weird way and i'm not saying you've done that but i'm saying that there are nuances that need to be tweaked here so i'm not suggesting for a moment that the repeal of roe versus wade is the end of the matter and i've I've, I've uttered that throughout this conversation what i am suggesting is that if your solution to uh a baby in poverty is to kill the baby rather than solve the poverty you haven't solved anything at all and so there are and i'll keep i'll keep iterating that point you know because it's the idea that you know okay the father's abusive that deal with the abuse uh the mother is poor deal with the poverty um that that, those are things you've you don't you don't fix either of those problems by killing the child in the first place because in actual fact killing the child fixes the poverty because there's less there are less mouths to mouths to feed and that's why i said in the beginning when i was talking about my my opening remarks the arguments for abortion tend to be economic rather than moral people like abortion laws governments like abortion laws because it reduces the number of people claiming on the welfare state that's the real reason they like doing it there's no there's no philosophical, spiritual, or moral reason for abortion on demand 
at all. There might be medical reasons, and obviously we've discussed those, but everything else is pretty flimsy, at least as far as I can tell. Okay, so until until we fix the abuse and the poverty situation, which are also going to lead to medical issues, right? We, we know that there is a correlation with poverty and abuse and medical issues. Unless we fix that, there's no reason for me to, to even consider taking abortion off the table because right now, raising a child in an environment like that would be so incredibly harmful to that child, especially when we know there's no way you can afford to carry a child um, to term, raise a child while you're trying to leave an abusive partner. Secondly, um, I would say that even with miscarriages, what, where are you drawing the line? How do we draw the line between an induced miscarriage and a non-induced miscarriage? How are we going to determine who is going to be charged for that and who isn't going to be charged for that? Because it just seems if you don't charge it, then you're okay with back alley abortions, right? Um, you're okay with people going out and seeking un, um, unsafe abortions and possibly putting themselves at risk. Or if you do charge it, then we're in a, a an area where we are now char- we have to determine how do we know that this person induced that miscarriage? Right. Okay. So the first one is um, uh, the when you said about the uh, let me just make sure I'm, I'm, mis, uh, I'm not misquoting you. Um, if you allow abortion on the table on demand to remain on the table, your government, especially your society, has no inducement to fix any of the social issues we've mentioned. You have there has to be a problem to be solved. Mm-hmm. If you get rid of the unborn child, there is no problem to solve, and those are the There's a lot of social problem. issues. The, 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 the problems are still problem. there. The problems were still there, but there's less incentive to solve it because there are less you know, people to worry about. Second of all, when it comes to induced miscarriage and natural miscarriage, if a woman says, I miscarried, we must assume that she's innocent. Until we, she must assume innocence until she's proven guilty. Um, and if we can't prove it, then fair enough. That's it. That's the end of the conversation. It would be incredibly difficult to prove. The El Salvadorian problem was is that they just assumed because of their draconian anti-abortion laws that every miscarriage, you know, a, a great majority of their miscarriages were induced by desperate women, which of course is an assumption of, of guilt until they prove innocence. The burden of proof falls upon the defendant. Our legal system, one would hope, and it's certainly our legal system in the UK, doesn't work on that. So if I can't prove it, she walks free. That's it. Right. You know, it's. It, I don't. I don't consider. I don't think. But that, then, to be honest, you know, what I'm hearing is that you're okay just, with. Can I just finish that? Okay. Can I just finish that point. No, sorry, sorry. To be honest, that's a really minor issue. The idea of you know miscarriages. Is it was it induced? Was it natural? It's relatively. It's really minor. You know, I, I would assume that most miscarriages are natural anyway because I'm, I'm like that. So that to me is getting in. If I'm being honest, that's getting in the weeds. It still doesn't address the fundamental problem: is is abortion on demand an ethical, uh, an ethical, good, a moral good, or a, a you know social necessity? And uh, you know that to me, in the highly unlikely scenario that a woman is brought up on charges for inducing her own miscarriage, how would you prove it? I mean, look, if if she drank something that gets flushed out of her system, any damage to you know, say she'd used the coat hanger, any physical damage would be, would heal itself relatively quickly. Um, if, if nobody knew that she was pregnant, that's another one. If the pregnancy was kept very quiet among, you know, friends and family, again, there's no evidence of the pregnancy in the first place. So it's really, really minor and technical, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Okay. Um, so because we don't know 
where the line is between an induced abortion and an induced miscarriage is pretty much like it's pretty much the same thing. And because you are okay with not um, having to prosecute people who induce miscarriages, what I am hearing from you is that you're totally okay with back alley abortions, with unsafe medical procedures, with the increased possibility of these people who go out and seek abortions um, dying and leaving their children now without a mother, without a, a parent in their house. Um, so, so you either have to bite the bullet that okay, we're increasing, um, we're we're exponentially increasing the amount of unsafe medical procedures. Um, that are unregulated, or um, or we're going to have to prosecute people for inducing miscarriages, and we're going to have to determine where the line is when somebody induces um, a, a miscarriage. Do we consider it an induced abortion, etc.? Right? Eleven um, percent well, no, of back alley abortions kill the mother. By the way, that's a huge percentage. Yeah, no, but no, but this is the big problem here. An induced miscarriage is an abortion. There's that you, yes. you keep using those two phrases. There's no distinction there. A miscarriage, an induced miscarriage. So if you take an abortifacient, deliberately knowing that you're going to flush a viable fetus out of your uterus, that is an abortive, an abortive technique. Mm -hmm. But there is no distinction. Second of all, because miscarriages are a natural phenomenon and they happen with alarming regularity, as a lot of feminists will comment in their writings. I mean, a lot, I've lost count of the number of uh, feminist journalists who've written about their miscarriage or their stillbirth, right? They did. It's it's slowly but surely coming out. Um, you can't you can't prosecute people for miscarriages realistically. I mean, you, you know, you could say, for example, oh, she didn't eat the right vitamins, or you know, she didn't do enough exercise. But that varies from pregnancy to pregnancy, doesn't it? There's no, there can't be a universal standard where you have to eat like five gummy vitamins every day. If you only eat four, you're guilty of you know self-induced abortion. That would be, that would be lunacy. There's no way you can do that. Um, the second thing you can mentioned I, something about being, yeah, go. On, yeah. Okay, okay. So what if somebody, for example. Um, starves themselves to induce a miscarriage. Well, they wouldn't. But when, what, what if that's how? When has that ever happened in the history of this? It, of, it, it of can this? happen. It's happened. People, people can can starve themselves to induce in a miscarriage. And if you believe an induced miscarriage is the same as an induced abortion, um, which I, I personally, I think I, I agree with you on that. Then. Um, where where is the line? Are you going to punish her for having starved herself to make sure that she miscarries on purpose? Well, first of all, you'd have to establish whether the woman was starving herself to get rid of the baby or starving herself because she was uh, anorexic. You would also have to. There are also medical procedures available whereby you could force feed. I mean, I know it's unpleasant, but you could do that if you wanted to. Um, you'd also have to establish motive because obviously there's immediate mens rea that's the phrase i'm looking for mens rea whereas what is the motive for starving herself um so you know you then have to prove that oh she 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 wants to risk and you know she wants to risk an unnatural health body weight because she's desperate to get rid of the baby but that's that's the un that's completely unrealistic it's 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 um it's preposterous if that was a tv script you wouldn't buy the story that's even not if, what we're talking about. even if she was anorexic Right. Even if she was anorexic and she were starving herself because she's anorexic and not because she's pregnant and a pregnancy miscarried as a result of that, I would think that that would still give enough people, um, uh, you know, reason to prosecute. It doesn't matter. At no, that point, you still you've still induced an abortion. You've still induced no. a miscarriage. 
no, no, because the miscarriage is the site is the unfortunate, unintended side effect of a cycle. Well, she should have been more disorder. careful then. She shouldn't have been. She shouldn't have been starving herself then, right? But she's mentally ill. If you're anorexic, I mean, we still Ill, we still punish people. Mm-hmm. We still punish people for child abuse, even if they're mentally ill, right? Do we not mitigate again? Do we not count the mental illness as a mitigating factor? We we, if can, a woman we is count ill. it, but people still are ta- have their children taken away. Well, yeah, obviously because they're physically abused. If you're schizophrenic and you beat your own child, you don't get to raise that child unless you can prove under medical supervision or psychological supervision that you have cured, you're, you're managing your condition. I speak with some authority on this because I, I suffer from mental health issues. I have a history of depression. Mm. I was medicated for two years. Um, yes, mental illness affects your temperament and your behavior, but if it, you're still acting within society, so unless you're so mental, you're mentally ill that you have to be sectioned. Like in the UK, we have what was called Mental Health Act. Your section means your section on the Mental Health Act. You have to go to an asylum or whatever they call those hospitals now. Um, you're still responsible for maintaining yourself. So like, okay, I, I have a history of depression. I know I have a history of depression. I need to seek treatment for depression. If it's available, of course, that's a different uh, discussion. If I don't maintain my treatment, that falls on me. I can't say, well, um, I was miserable, I I got miserable and angry, so I killed this guy. It's like, well, no, you don't get away with murder because you have a history of depression. You know you do. Yeah. And you chose to and you chose to neglect yourself. So you're still Mm -hmm. responsible, even if you're bonkers. So, yeah, um, you take children away from abusive people because, of course, you do. Why they do the abuse is almost well it's not beside the point but it's a set it's a secondary issue the problem is is that if they are physically abusive you separate the link between parent and child so yeah mm-hmm. you, of course you take and if they're neglectful too right if they're neglectful as a result of a mental illness then yeah and it, so an example i would bring to you in that case is that there are people um let's say a woman is pregnant but she's addicted to drugs addiction is a mental illness if she induces a miscarriage because she is she's taking drugs or she is actively taking drugs is she's still, she's still guilty of manslaughter. She may not be guilty of, of murder with the intent to murder, but she is still guilty of manslaughter. So are we going to prosecute her? Well, no, but the trouble is, is that yes. Okay. She is guilty of manslaughter. I mean, because, but again, she's not taking heroin to induce an abortion because that's ridiculous. I mean, I know there are, but it doesn't matter. We still prosecute for manslaughter, right? Depends on the circumstances, and it also depends on the punishment. See, I yes, I would agree that the woman is guilty of manslaughter because a baby has died because of her uh, her drug addiction. But as again, I, members of my family are addicted to heroin, um, have been for like decades now. I, I used to say he was dying of it, but to be quite honest, he's been around for twenty five years with his addiction, so the definition of dying may vary. Um, that's my second. Well, I, won't go, I won't go into too many personal details. He hasn't agreed to anything, but. So, yeah, she's, uh, if you're talking about a junkie, someone who needs a fix, someone who can't function without a fix, you know, like physically their organs don't work or their mind doesn't work and it compels them to do things, that's not just a mental illness, that's also a physical dependency. If in the course of, you know, smoking your crack or injecting your your heroin or whatever, um, you find out you were pregnant and you then miscarried, you could then argue, yes, that's manslaughter. But what should the punishment be? I mean, one of the big problems, again, with the United States, 
and and also in the UK, let's be honest, is that we send junkies to jail, which is the worst place for them. They need to go to rehabilitation centres. So yes, the baby has died, but what's the point of sending a woman to prison for however long manslaughter is in your particular part of the world? That doesn't fix anything because the main problem isn't the fact that she had the man, the, man, the uh, abortion, which was unintentional. The main problem is she's a junkie. So you've got to fix that. If there were fewer junkies, if she wasn't a junkie, the baby might have lived. So you, you fix that problem first and then everything else knocks on from there. Right. So then what's the point of even putting somebody who did purposely induce an abortion into jail? What's the point of that then? Because it's not like you're it's not like putting them in jail is going to make that child be alive. It's not like putting yeah. them in jail is going to prevent future abortions. Okay. Well, if somebody killed you, should we put your murderer in prison? I mean, putting your murderer in prison won't bring you back from the dead. It won't sure. necessarily prevent future murders from happening. And if somebody's obviously- drunk driving and they kill me by accident, right? They're still guilty of manslaughter and they still go to jail. Yeah, but they chose to drink alcohol. They chose to go behind the wheel of the they car. They didn't choose their addiction. What makes you think they're addicted? If they let, let's say they are, they're an alcoholic. They're they're you know they have they're they have an alcohol problem, right? If they have an alcohol problem, if they have an addiction and they and they can't function in their daily life without drinking, and they end up drinking and driving, and then they end up killing me by accident, we would still put that person in jail. Just like if a woman were um, addicted to drugs and she knows that she's pregnant and she takes drugs and induces a miscarriage as a result of that, I feel like we would have still precedent to put her in jail. True, there is there is an argument there. Um, but also an alcoholic um, might need to drink, but they don't need to drive. So, you, you know, the reason you don't drink and drive, we all mm. know this, is one ton death machine and you're not allowed and you drive at high speed. Right. Into- but the woman didn't need to get pregnant either. She may need to, to get her fix of drugs, but she could have um, had, have, had protected sex and not gotten pregnant. Agreed. So it's the same thing, right? No, similar, yes. It's a different scenario, though. It's, it's it's slightly different, but yeah, there are parallels, definitely. That might be a good opportunity to go into Q and A if you guys are ready for it. Sure. You got it. Want to mm-hmm. let you know, folks, our guests are linked in the description. So if you'd like to learn more about their views, you certainly can. If you click on the links below in the description box, and I've got to tell you, folks, if you have been living in a cave on Mars with your fingers in your ears and you didn't know. Kendon has a wildly successful TikTok account. You can check that link out in the description box. And I got to tell you, I got to give props to Stardust as well. Stardust is, in addition to being Twitch's favorite daughter, she hosts some controversial stuff. So if you like controversial debates, I've got to hand it to you, Stardust. You've hosted some controversial stuff. You've stepped on some toes, not on purpose, but... You know, sometimes always by accident. That's right. Always and, by accident. But I gotta say, I have found it to be refreshing that you said, I don't care, I'm doing it. I've really enjoyed it. Your channel, it's been fun to see your channel grow. So thank you. May I ask sorry for interrupting, James. May I ask what's the most controversial debate you've ever had, Stardust? In all seriousness, it's gen- genuine curiosity. So what usually you the more controversial ones that I have are are the ones that I host for other people. I usually I host like a weekly debate panel. Um, and sometimes some really, um, uh, controversial things will happen or there's like infighting and drama that will break out during, um, panels, things like that. Um, Uh, so 
Yeah. Um, but I think most recently, I, I think most recently I interviewed Richard Spencer like a few months ago. And so now everybody's really mad at me for that one on Twitter. So, um, I would, yeah, I would love to have a conversation with Richard Spencer. I really would. I mean, I don't agree with, I don't agree with, well, I'm not sure I'd agree with any of his politics, but I would love to have a conversation with him. It'd be a fascinating. Conversation. Not that this this conversation has been very enjoyable, actually, Stardust. I do appreciate you for you know sort of yeah. popping in last minute to talk to me. Um, yeah. Sorry, James, you wanted to do a Q and A, didn't you? I just suddenly realized no we just problem at all. Hey, uh, we'll jump right into these. Thanks for your questions, folks. We're going to try to move through as fast as possible. If you have a question, you can submit it two ways. One, if you tag me with at modern date modern day debate in the YouTube live chat or Twitch live chat. Or if you do a super chat, we put those at the top of the list. Here we go. Sky Lounge says, does science claim that all life begins at conception? They said all cells are already born alive by division from its parent cell. Life began only in the first time on Earth. I'm not sure if they're trying to say like that this this human cells or like there's no like actual new life in the fetus. I'm not sure. Yeah, they the trouble is, is that I understand the nature of the question because life is one of the biggest mysteries of science. We don't understand what life is. We don't know the difference between life and inert chemicals reacting to each other. We don't really know what death is. When does death occur? You know, some organisms break down, but parts of the organism are still alive. So, yeah, it is one of the big mysteries of science. Like They say that human life begins as conception because obviously that's when the, the, the creation of the human being begins. But, he, but the questioner is right in the sense that we don't actually know what life is really to know quite scientifically when it starts so a human life we like to say begins at conception but again it's a philosophical minefield so yeah um you got it yeah. and this one coming in from do appreciate your question as well bradley Troska says kendon when it comes to in vitro fertilization they use many embryos but only select one that is viable the rest get destroyed. Is that now murder? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, yes, it was definitely you're killing unborn children. Um, there's also something in the, 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 the problem with that, of course, is that it's it, it takes away. It's a level of interference that I find cold, calculating, scientific. It's almost like it's almost as callous as factory farming. You know, you pick the best, you pick the best uh, animal and go with that one. So yes, I mean murder. Well, no, it's not. It's not murder in the sense that because it's still legal to do. Remember, murder by definition, the definition is unlawful killing. So if it's on the statute books that you can do that, then it's not murder. It's still wrong. It's still immoral, but it's not. It's not murder. So no, that would be my answer. Could I ask a question? Go on. Um, yeah. So let's say you have like um, a burning building and you have like um, you have like six test tubes with like the fertilized eggs in them. Right. And then yeah. you have a single uh, like a single baby. Right. Um, and you can yeah. only choose one of them to to, to save. No. Which mm -hmm. one would you choose? Well, you the load of test tubes or the baby that's living. Um, well, I mean, the instinctive response obviously would be to save the individual baby, but just because that's my instinctive response doesn't mean it's right. Uh huh. But I guess, I yeah, guess, that, but if that, you that, had the that, ability to choose, you would choose the the test tubes then. Well, well, I mean, the thing is, is that because you do, um, 
that, that's an old philosophical conundrum, isn't it? The idea, do you save the living baby or do you see potential lives in the test tubes? You could, there's a, there is a rational argument which says, well, actually, you could try and save all of them or you could save the test tubes and then raise those babies to replace the one that died. But that's face it, human beings don't do that. We hear the crying child, we respond with a kind of visceral, primitive animal instinct to the child that's making noise, don't we? We wouldn't go for the test tubes. Um, but then again, that's, uh, you know, so yeah, I probably would say the one child doesn't make that a right one. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a bit, that's a complicated one. I don't think there is a final answer to that question. This one, this one coming in from Bradley Trosca says, Kendon, can a pregnant woman with cancer get chemotherapy? This could kill the fetus. Your arguments sound very hypocritical. No, no, because if you think about it, in that scenario, it's one corpse or two. If denying a woman cancer treatment would kill the mother, the baby would die as well. Second of all, because obviously pregnancy drains the mother, you know, physically. It's a physical burden. So if you've got cancer, the last thing you want is a drain on your nutrients because you don't know your, you know, your nutrient supply because you don't have a lot of that left. So, yes, if, taking, if, um, if t- going for cancer treatment leads to the miscarriage of the baby, that's an unfortunate side effect of a woman. A woman is choosing to save her life. She isn't choosing to kill a baby. But the death of the baby is the unintended side effect of the medical procedure. Again, this is one of those big examples that comes up in, uh, I think there's an Irish case about with, with this sort of thing. It, it, to me, it's not that complicated at all. And if you speak to most pro-lifers, Kay Fellows, who isn't here, is, another, is a fine example of this. If it's... if um, in that scenario, it, uh, cancer treatment is a medical necessity, so that must come first. The element of choice is is is, is not part of it. So, well, she so, already made a choice, though. She shouldn't have gotten pregnant, right? Yeah, but she didn't choose to have cancer, did she? Yeah, but it's the same thing with an addict, right? The addict didn't choose to be an addict, but they did choose to like carry a baby or drink, you know, or drive a car, right? So. Yeah, but 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 addictions, uh, you know that there are certain behaviours that become become be, can become addictive. Cancer can sprout out of nowhere. You know. Yes. Again, sure. Ooh, ooh, but addiction is still something that's like a mental health thing. It's not like you can really help it, right? So you still have to get a fix, no matter what. Cancer is something you can't help it. It you have to either get the no. treatment or choose to die, right? So you don't have no. to choose to get pregnant. She didn't have to choose to get no. pregnant. She could have chosen no, to not got no, pregnant. No, your analogy doesn't work. A junkie can go without a fix. Going without a fix. Not always. They can die if they don't get a fix. Some of them can die. In rehab centers, they often have to wean them off because they'll die if they they don't get a fix. It depends on the scenario. But again, choosing to indulge in behaviors that lead to addiction is one thing. Developing cancer randomly is not the same scenario. Right. But then what, let's say they developed lung cancer and they had a history of smoking in the past, then they should have chosen not to smoke. Right. And choosing yes. to not get pregnant. Yeah. So it's a mess. I, mean, I admit it's a mess. I mean, I'm not arguing that point, but it doesn't, you don't solve anything by letting people die. So if, if someone's got lung cancer, uh, say a woman has been smoking 20 a day for her whole life, and um, she suddenly developed. But you just said we don't solve anything by letting people choose abortion either, right? We don't solve these issues by letting them be able to get abortions, um, uh, whether it's uh, because of a health reason or because of like a greater societal reason. 
right? It's not like you were born, if you can choose the society you were born into, it's not like you can choose being born into a horrible economic situation. Right. But you fix that, don't you? Or at least try Uh, to. Or mitigate against you, you can't always, right? You, like you, you don't get to choose the life that you're born into. If you're born into a life where you are addicted, you are born in, with less wealth than, um, than your, you know, uh, your peers. You are born in, and you live in an area that's, um, that has, um, like bad health outcomes. Then you didn't choose that, right? But you did choose to get pregnant. Uh, and so I guess, like by that, you're saying that well, they shouldn't be able to get abortions because that's not solving the issue. But getting an abortion isn't solving the issue of cancer either, right? Getting an abortion isn't solving the issue of them being addicted to drugs either, is it? Well, no, but you would be getting an abortion doesn't it's not part of the, of cancer treatment or addiction recovery. It, mm-hmm. It's a, a miscarriage. A miscarriage is what we're actually talking about. A miscarriage, a, a natural abortion, a natural miscarriage is the is the byproduct of the but treatment. But it wouldn't be natural. Seeing. It wouldn't be natural because you have the choice to either get that treatment or carry that child to term. So we know it's not natural. You're inducing you're inducing a miscarriage, whether that's part of the treatment or not. You're still inducing a miscarriage. You know what it's going to induce. Yeah, I suppose. But then the the, you can't carry the baby to term because you'll be dead. So the choice becomes, is it one corpse or two? And well, you if you are that far and if you're that far, I'm, I'm thinking that probably like chemotherapy alone would not be the thing that's going to save you, right? If you're that far along that you would be. I don't, I don't understand. That, yeah, basically you could choose to carry the child, right? Uh, or you could choose to get the chemotherapy. Um, and well, then no, but, you know, but, but, you the, but still get... making the choice to make, to get chemotherapy might be the treatment, but you are still making the choice to also induce a miscarriage. No, you're choosing to deal with the cancer. The miscarriage is the unintended side effect of that. The, the, the two options are not. It's not an unintended one if you know it's real, if you know it's happening. It's not unintended if you know that it's it's a side effect. Well, a bad, a bad, you've got, you know, sometimes you've got to choose the least worse option. But the argument you're making is that, well, okay, they don't, um, they don't go for cancer treatment, they bring the baby to term. But then, of course, if they don't have cancer treatment, they can't bring the baby to term because they're dead. So the choice then becomes, do I, you know, do I try my luck and try and give birth to this child and risk, you know, my, the tumours eating me from the inside out? Or do I take the cancer treatment knowing full well that I will miscarry, but at least I'll be alive to learn from that experience and hopefully make better choices in the future? See, there's no scenario there that's good. There's no good scenario. There's no right choice. Mm-hmm. No, there's no. There's I still, no I just wouldn't call it unintended, though. Uh, maybe you could call it unexpected. I would even then I wouldn't even call it unexpected because it's something you can know. You know with enough certainty that if you get chemotherapy, you're going to miscarry. So it's not unintended. Well, it's indirect. You're not saying, you know what, I can't be bothered anymore. Get rid of this baby. What you're actually doing is, I've got tumors. They need to be dealt with. That's the emergent. That's the most pressing issue. That, that's what you're actually choosing to do. You're not choosing to kill the baby. You're choosing. You to are choosing to kill the baby. You're choosing to kill the baby by focusing on something else. You're neglecting it, basically. You're killing in, by neglect. Indirect. It's not indirect. You know that the cancer is going to be directly murdered. Like the not the cancer. The chemotherapy is going to directly induce a miscarriage. It's mm-hmm. not indirect. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. 
This but, but the trouble is, is that they could, but in that scenario, there is no good outcome. There's no yeah, good, there's outcome, no good there? outcome in any of these scenarios, right? Oh no, but there are other there are other options that you can go for. In the cancer scenario, you, you've got you've, either way the baby dies. You know, it's either either I take the I take my chemotherapy, the baby dies, or right. I, okay, let's say for example, an abusive household. A lot of the times, like if somebody gets beat up enough, like they'll miscarry, right? Or they can have yeah. an they can have an abortion prior to getting beaten up and ha- miscarrying, Ooh. right? Or if the person who beats them up induces a miscarriage, I'd prosecute the assailant. Yeah, that would be that would be ideal, right? But again, you're cho- either you're choosing, um, like you're not really making a choice um, to not kill a child in that sense. Then, right? Like you, like uh, you know that you're putting your child at risk either way, right? Well, you're no, making the, mother, the choice to put them the, the, into risk. The mother, the, mo- the mother isn't making the choice. The assailant. The mother can choose to not be with him. The mother can choose to. to the mother didn't have to choose to be with him in the first place. Yeah, that's quite, that's possible, but no one chooses, you know, no one can expect, you know, the man to suddenly become aggressive and violent and start beating the crap out of her. And if a man, if a, I mean, if a man, the kind of man who would beat be the swedge the living crap out of a pregnant woman, he must know that the violence he does is, I don't buy this scenario. The scenario is preposterous. You do realize that. No, it's no, like it, it, it happens. It happens all the time. Where people, a lot of the times when women get pregnant, that's usually um, in a lot of relationships, the first time that they experience physical abuse. Well, that might be true in some cases. I don't know how many. It's but in, it's still, in, in, again, well, again we're disappearing. In the, US, the statistics yeah. line up with that. But we're, we're disappearing into the weeds here. There's, there's no solution to this that is perfect. I mean, there's neither the pro-life nor the pro-choice position. It's not like this is going to be, you know, pro-life will solve everything. It's not like pro-choice solves everything. Because as I've established, the pro-choice movement doesn't solve any of the social issues either. My contention is purely that I don't want people choosing to kill their unborn children. Right. But but, uh, then my point is that pro-choice or pro-life, we're not taking away the fact that people are going to be inducing miscarriages or doing back alley abortions. We're not changing that fact. Whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, whether you have legislation that prevents or or prohibits uh, it prevents prohibits or allows for it we're we're still going to have people who go out and seek those solutions and so it's not really a solution either way if you prohibit it but we are but we might well be reducing the number of abortions which is might be the only better the best outcome and frankly that might have to be the the, the best but scenario if, if, I mean, again, if 11 percent if 11 percent of back alley abortions result in the death of the mother then we're increasing the deaths yeah but how but how many how many back alley abortions instead instead of instead of however many it would be that 10 percent instead of one life for each one of those it would be two that's not but that's not the question how many back alley abortions 11 percent of what uh yeah i I don't know what the what it would be i see this is why this is i'm not not having to go at you stardust at all this is not personal attack Uh, those kind of arguments i don't they don't hold water 11 percent of what you know you need the fight but the back alley abortions would happen yes it reduces the amount of abortions but but there there's still like only by a small percentage i believe i believe it's um uh, yeah, but, but don't you, yeah, don't you see back alley abortions almost entirely replace front room abortions so it's it the state is almost total replacement no 
No, you see, that's no, that's according to this Amnesty Amnesty International. Uh, it says that when abortion is banned, um, uh, back alley abortions uh, essentially replace all of those those uh, um, safe abortions. Yeah, but in which countries, in which cultures, at which times? You see, that's not that's too vague. See, eleven percent of one million and eleven percent of a thousand are two different numbers, of course. So the the idea that you know that you can't just use the percentage on its own; it has to be a percentage of something. And that's why I don't, I mean, I'm not saying, look, if you had more numbers on it, if you had more data on it, then, you know, obviously I would, I would consider it. But yeah. 11% of, of, of nothing is nothing. You know, you need, you need a whole, sure. whole. 11%, I would say, is a significant portion if, when we know, according to this Amni, Amnesty yeah, uh, International thing, if according oh. to that, it says laws that totally ban abortion do not, in fact, decrease abortion rates. Rather, they drive women to, and girls to seek unsafe clandestine abortions. So they, it almost completely replaces those safe abortions. Because there's a question yeah, for uh, Kendon, I'll give you the last word, Kendon, and then I've got a question okay. for you, Stardust. Go on, okay. This one coming in from Aaron Webster says, so because they might have a hard life, we should kill them, Stardust? No, we shouldn't. They're going to get there. That's not the point, right? My my ideal world, abortion would be the last um, last option that somebody chooses, the very last thing that somebody considers. Right. But um, we know, again, based on what, I, what I'm, I'm reading here, abortion, when it is banned, almost uh the almost completely is replaced by unsafe back alley abortions right it's not that abortion goes down it's not that abortion goes down abortion still exists and um and abortion is now unsafe and if 11 percent of those abortions are um a result in uh the death of a mother we're not we're, we're now we've resulted in more deaths so this one coming in from do appreciate your question as well Stephen Steen, actually, a statement says this channel doesn't represent those who actually are killed by abortion. Why are there no fetuses on the panel? Debate is worthless without proper representation. Fair. Very fair. Malivia, thanks very much, says James. If I email you, that's funny. Okay. That's it for later. First name, last name says we all knew you. Let's see. Should sh So first name, last name says. Kendon, should we separate any logical choice from you? I don't I don't get it. Brenton Langle says pro-life's real political goal is state-enforced pregnancy. They want to enforce an unwilling woman to remain pregnant at gunpoint. Using state violence for this purpose is depraved and unconscionable. The state compels lots of people to do lots of things they don't want to do. Why should this issue be the only one where it's 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 questioned? The idea, the idea, the the the, your, the 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 way the question was framed is too dramatic for what we're actually do, talking about. The state compels you to pay tax; people don't want to do that. The state compels you to wear a seatbelt; people don't want to do that. But when they call it state violence, that you know, if you don't do these things, we'll punish you for not doing these things. You know, this idea that. Um, this is the one issue where state violence, which is always a bit of a wobbly phrase anyway, when I think of state violence, I think of the military, I think of armed policemen, that's when I think of the state violence. Um, I don't, I think that's a far, that's far too melodramatic, far, far too hyperbolic. Um, 
yes, we are effectively enforcing women to, to be pregnant, unless, of course, it's medically necessary to terminate pregnancy. What we're doing is removing the element of choice whereby a woman cannot choose to kill a perfectly viable child for whatever reason, and then the burden falls on the rest of society to come up with a solution for the increased number of births. It is ultimately the most... It enforces us as a culture to be more charitable and compassionate, and that's the reason why I consider it the better outcome. But, you, you know, it. if you disagree, that's all. And as far as dramatic is concerned oh brenton's just getting warmed up and i'm even reading these the way i think he would say them because brenton's been on here to debate many times he says over 1000 sorry over 100,000 americans are waiting for a kidney they will die without one though you can live comfortably um, with only one kidney does kendon want to use state violence to force unwilling donors to give their kidneys or just one kidney i should say well, no, because then if you remove a kidney, that affects the function of the first person. It's not it's not as simple as just ripping out a kidney and giving it to the person because it doesn't it doesn't work like that. Again, it's a bad analogy. You're talking about organ donation. There's a you know allowing someone to die effectively or suffer a poor life and actively killing something else. It's not the same scenario. These analogies just don't func they don't work. They really don't work. There's no, there's no scenario quite like pregnancy. There's no scenario quite like birth. There's no moral debate quite like abortion. So that's why a lot of these things, a lot of these argument analogies, just don't, just don't, can't withstand reason. You know, scrutiny. You got it. This one coming in from. Do appreciate your question. Joe Schwartz says, for both, what country has the best laws on abortion? Well, I. Mean, I just pay attention to the u.s so i i wouldn't really know uh so i, I mean yeah i i mean I, I take stardust view i mean i i having not seen all the laws on the statute books i wouldn't know um as i say up to i mean the the united states had the most liberal abortion laws um in the western world up until relatively recently um but yeah i i can't i i, I don't know enough to answer the question sorry no problem oh this one coming in from do appreciate it first name last name says why should any individual be forced to use their body to support another individual? So, in a way, it reminds me of the old uh, Judith Jarvis Thompson, if I remember the name right. The old violinist argument. Yeah, yeah. No, the, 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 tr the, the problem is, is that it's... The real debate here when it comes to abortion is, A, the nation of personhood, the nature of personhood, and who gets priority, mother or baby. I would argue that I don't draw a distinction. I would argue that mother is responsible for baby, uh, therefore they should be weighted equally, um, that the death of the baby should be, you know, incidental or accidental rather than premeditated. Um, so the reason mothers have to survive, have to give to the baby is the whole point of, and I'm sure Stardust will know more about this than I do, the whole point of the terrible plumbing system that women have to endure throughout their lives is to make babies that's its function you're you're the, the baby is not an organ 
it's not a tissue sample it's a separate organism forced by circumstances to feed off another organism because that's the whole point of the system in place so that's why it's compelled if the mother then were to give the baby up for adoption because of personal circumstances then that's obviously a different issue i accept that but that's why it's not that's why it's not the same as um yeah the violinist one is about you know is it like hooking up somebody for dialysis or something like that is that an organic form of dialysis is that is that the old analogy that they if use I remember it, like roughly stated because it's been a while since i've heard it in an old class i learned it in the idea that if you were to let's say be in a coma and you wake up like mm-hmm. you let's say you got in an accident and then you are hooked up to somebody through dialysis just like you were saying such that in some way their body was dependent upon your body and you're mm-hmm. basically confined to either staying there so they can survive or you know if you disconnected and left they would die and some people yeah. argued that's analogous to why should a woman have to carry the uh, fetus to to, uh, to birth? Well, yeah, but the the answer to that one, but the reason why the analogy doesn't quite work is because the whole point of pregnancy is that it comes to an end naturally with a baby, and the baby will eventually grow up to be independent and walk away. Whereas in the violinist scenario. There's no timeline set like that. So the idea that you're basically strapped for the rest of your natural life, just keeping this person alive, um, thereby sabotaging the independence of two people rather than, rather than just one. Um, so, yeah, it's, it doesn't it doesn't quite line up. But, uh, but that's just me. I mean, we could fix deep. it, though. We could just make it for eight months. Right. For eight months, you have to be hooked up to the violinist. Right. Well, yes, but the the expectation would be that after the end of the eight or nine months that the violinist would either walk away or by that point, you would have found a solution to deal with the violinist, like something that's more long-term that leaves both parties independently viable. But again, yeah, it doesn't say after work. Eight months, there's, no, they get to... there's no, but there's no medical scenario in which that's even likely. So it's a thought experiment that doesn't really go anywhere. That's why I don't really, I just, I don't quite like you know, an analogy. This one coming in from yeah. New Appreciate Your Question. This one is from La Lord Macduff 01 says, how much damage does a pregnancy need to do to a mother for an abortion to be allowed. Maybe this also kind of goes to the question of, is there, such as if the, the life of the woman is at risk, or for example, in the more extreme case, if you were, if the doctors are thinking, I'm just kind of fleshing this out, but so I'll, yeah. I'll let you answer their question before I give you the second one. But how much damage does a pregnancy need to do to a mother for an abortion to be acceptable, Kendon? Well, again, I don't know because I'm not a medical man. Um, I would say I would say life threatening. Life threatening oh. is the old is the obvious one. Um, you know, but then, of course, yeah. Oh, I was just thinking for that violinist uh, scenario. Let's say it takes eight months for his kidney do- donation to come up. So that's why somebody has to be hooked up to them. So, so in eight months, we know that he's going to get a kidney. So it'll be good. So you don't need to be hooked up to him after eight months. Yeah, but again, that's a thought. It's a thought experiment that's not even vaguely realistic. So it doesn't it doesn't tally with with the abortion argument. That the the reason I don't like it is because it's not it, because that's an unrealistic medical scenario. If it was an actual medical procedure, it'd be different. But because it's an unrealistic medical scenario, any any answer you give to that does not map easily onto the abortion debate. That's why the violinist one doesn't really work. It's a, it's a bit like the well, no, it's not. It's not like the trolley problem. Now we'll put that one to the side. But yeah, again, you know, because what you're doing is you're putting in so many different barriers. Like, well, what if it's eight months, we're going to get a kidney, but 
or what if the kidney fails? What if the you know the the um, the, or the body rejects the kidney? There's all sorts of things that you can throw into that to just complicate the philosophical question, and it still wouldn't get any closer to the abortion debate. But you know, let's just be big. This silly. one, by the way. Interestingly, Judith Jarvis Thompson, who came up with that argument, also came up with the trolley problems. Which so like she's had she's had um, a huge influence on uh, philosophy. This one coming in from Alex Williams says, "Kendon, would you support a law that compels men to use their bodies, such as their organs or blood, if medically required, to sustain your child's life after birth, even if it risks your life?" Um, I'm just trying to think of a scenario in which that would even be vaguely realistic. Um, Let's humor them and, and do just to oh, what get if, as much as okay. possible out of the intuition pump. Let's say that like they're in, in some way their blood, like let's say in the future there's a disease that we discovered where their blood, you know, had to, they needed new blood. And so this question, they said, would you support a law that compels men to use their bodies, such as their organs or blood? If medically required to sustain your child's birth, uh, sustain your child's life after birth, if it risked the father's life. So maybe it was such that it like the man had to give so much blood that it you know jeopardized his own health to where it risked his life in order to give enough well, blood. For the well, child. well, no, because but, but again, in that scenario, it's a bit like would I force a woman to carry a baby if I knew that the pregnancy would would kill her? It's like, well, no, I wouldn't, because then that would be a medically, that would be a scenario where a medically necessary abortion is perfectly permissible. In the same way that if a father is donating blood to a child to keep the child alive, but the father's probably going to die from donating all of this with all of the red, all of the vital claret, then that doesn't really, it doesn't really solve it. I mean, I suppose if the father chose to do it, that'd be one thing, but even then it's still incredibly risky and it ends up you kill a person. I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work either. So I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just I'm just being difficult. I think I should stop. No, um, it's, Bradley Trotska, thanks for your support of the channel. And they also said, Stardust, you have a big fan. I'm thinking they must mean themselves. And this one coming in from Aaron Webster says, coming from an ex addict of 20 plus years, it is not a mental illness. You see where it is headed, and you choose to continue using or not. Think that okay, well, fair enough. I, I, will de- I will defer to greater experience. I mean, the only addiction that I suffer from is that I'm a nicotine addict. Um, so I've had to stop smoking and I'm now, um, you know, on the nicotine minty things. Um, but that's, mm. so yeah, that's that's very much bush league. That's not what we're talking about here. Um, but yeah, there is a mental element to it in the sense that, um, that I mean, as I say, say that the uh, the reformed addict um, would agree with this, but there is a mental compulsion to find a fix. But they are right, strictly, I suppose, it isn't a mental illness. You're not delusional because of the addiction necessarily. You're just focused on feeding the feeding that uh, demon on your back. Yeah, and I would still say it's medically, you know, it's still like a medical necessity, though, because some people do die if they don't get their fix. So, right. Um, but it depends on the substance, doesn't it? it depends on the substance, yeah. Two quick questions. Are we allowed to say, are we allowed, if if people called each other cracker, is that allowed on Twitch or YouTube? Uh, Well, it's, um, it's not on twitch but um but if you're talking in an example 
or something or somebody else says it, you know? So yeah, I guess it's okay. So. Okay. And then I didn't know that it, cigarettes are addictive because of nicotine or what's the other thing that's in it? That's it. There's gotta be something else too, right? Is there also, um, cause I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think formaldehyde. Well, the, the nicotine's in the tobacco. I don't think formaldehyde is addictive. It's just a poison. Oh, um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think I think nicotine nicotine is the only a truly addictive chemical. Um, I didn't know. The, okay, you're right. Okay, I didn't know I that know. it was nicotine is within the tobacco because I was for some reason I was thinking of them as like separate and I was thinking like it's both tobacco and the nicotine. No, because they're ancient. They're ancient tribes that chew tobacco leaves, and they get the same buzz from a smoke from, from smokers. You know, so clearly, so it's a naturally occurring chemical. Um, but uh, yeah, gotcha. Go. Thanks for letting me tangent for a second. And this one coming in <laughs> from Brenton Langle strikes again. He says one out of four women who experience domestic violence, though, have a miscarriage as a result. That's twenty-five percent. Star mm-hmm. is a hundred percent correct. Okay. That's fine. But, but I don't understand what the point is. I mean, yeah, okay, okay. The, the, it's only one in four. Where, where did the stat come from? Second of all, what, what are we, what am I, what is one supposed to do with that, with that number? If, if, a, yes. if a man is beating, if a man is beating up a woman and induces a miscarriage, I would cheerfully see that man at the dock. I don't, sure, but I, again, I, think, I guess that the thing is like the, the point is, um, you're either choosing to to be able to terminate that pregnancy or or you are choosing to be in a situation where somebody is going to terminate it for you, I guess, in some of these. So it's not yeah, like no, 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 but no, I mean, she didn't have to get pregnant. You know, she didn't have to get pregnant. Uh, like you're saying, she doesn't have to be in that relationship like you're saying. But, um, it, you know, but uh, not, again, if she choosing... miscarries. But if she miscarries because he beats her, it's not it's not like she had to choose to stay in that relationship. Right. No, but there's no I mean, she could obviously want to leave. She could choose to try to leave. But ultimately, she's not choosing a man to punch her belly until her baby falls out. I mean, that's that's preposterous. Yeah, Um, but oftentimes it, it, it escalates over time. Right. So so it could have started and been pretty mild to begin with. And then and then it escalates and escalates. And so. So she probably had a few opportunities to leave before it happened. Well, or she's been psychologically manipulated by her abuser, as tends to happen, to, you know, obviously um, misread the situation or to not take serious steps to vacate. It's not as simple as, oh, oh, well, he hit me once. Okay, I'll just put up with it. It's not that simple. And I think everybody should know that if they don't already. You know, this is there's a reason why battered wives spend 20, 25 years with the man, with the man they married, who beats them on the regular. It's not because they enjoy punches to the face. It's because there's something psychological going on there. Literally, they've been they've been manipulated into accepting the scenario, whatever the abuse happens to be. Sure. Um, but again, it's it starts off mild. So people often like uh, like if you're making the argument that like like a um a person like a drunk driver doesn't have to choose to drive. Uh, I'm just saying we could make the same argument for somebody who's in one of these relationships and like, and, and doesn't choose to leave. Right. Um, like no, it, no, it's never, can't. it never, you, you, it doesn't always, uh, I mean, it, it never is that immediately somebody like beats somebody until they miscarry. Usually it escalates to that point. There, there, It's not the same scenario at all. 
if I, I don't, right, there's no more time uh, with a, an abusive relationship to walk away. Well, yes, but there's less in, there's all, it's also harder to do so because of finance, you know, social strictures or financial, uh, financial, financial barriers. If I choose to go down the pub and I choose to have seven pints of beer, I know that as I'm drinking my pints, I should not be driving at any point. If I then go, you know what, screw it, live life on the wild side, get in my car, I know that what I'm doing is illegal, right? Even if I'm pissed, I know that it's a crime. If I then get behind the wheel of my car and then drive it away and I'm being a bit wobbly, I know that what I'm doing is a crime. I could be stopped, even if I never hit anybody, even if I get home safely, I'm still breaking the law and I could still be arrested. If I then kill somebody by running them over because of my reaction times are slow. I have made a series of choices, conscious choices, admittedly poisoned by alcohol, series of conscious choices that led to the death of somebody who's just, you know, walking around going about their life. But let's say it's, it's not at the not pub the though. Same thing. Right. But again, it's it's, it doesn't thing. have to be at it doesn't have to be at the pub, right? It could be somebody who's addicted to alcohol, who has a physical dependence on alcohol, who is not even at the pub. Let's say they keep um, a bottle no, of liquor with them choosing, to keep them. They're, they're still choosing to drive. But but let's say Yeah, sure they are, but let's say they, they still have a job to go to, right? They're physically dependent on alcohol. They still choose to to drink for you know alcohol and continue in the, the uh, you know continue to drink it because they have a physical depend dependence on it. What are they going to do? Not go to work? So they go to work and then they come back. They they're driving home and they're and and they you know they have alcohol in their system to get them through the day. And let's say um, they get into an argument and kill uh, not argument into an accident and kill somebody. Right? Like it's still the same thing. Yeah, and they would still be prosecuted for it. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't. You can't say I'm an alcoholic, therefore I'm, I'm absolved of all responsibility. That doesn't work. I know people. Okay, who've lost so then their we could do the same thing with the lady in in the situation, right? Like, oh, I'm. I, you know, I, I'm in a psychological state where I need to be with him. Like, uh, okay, but yeah, but you still exposed. It was still neglect. You still exposed your unborn child to an abusive partner. Yeah, but it's not a ra- it's not a rational conscious choice, is it? If someone's been psychologically manipulated, it's like when people join cults. You know, cult leaders. The alcoholism wasn't cult. either. No, but you can choose not to do anything about it, and you can choose to indulge yourself, and you can choose to get pissed and get behind the wheel of the car. Those are conscious choices. You don't. You don't have alcohol. The idea that but you, you know, don't have the cho- choice to not go to work. You're going to be out of. You're going to be financial and like a financial trouble if you don't go to work right so you have to go to work you have to drive to get to work you have to drink because your body's physically dependent on it no but you've what you've done is you've just piled all these things on and it still doesn't come anywhere close to the abortion i think i think it does i think we can make the argument about choices for any scenario Yeah, but Salas, what you've done is you've complicated a hypothetical scenario for an incredibly small number of people who won't be affected, you know, most people won't be affected by this issue. And it's completely removed from whether or not someone should choose to kill an unborn baby. It's not it's not the same scenario. This is why analogies don't work like this. You're still you're still, you know, abnegating responsibility. You are responsible for your habit. You are responsible for whether or not you drive. You are responsible for maintaining your job. If if you are, you're if responsible you're for the people you put yourself around. You're responsible for choosing to be with somebody who you know is either, you know, who you know is is abusive, you know, who's not going to be good to your children. Right. You are responsible for that. Like, you have a duty as a parent, as a potential parent or as an existing parent to not put your children in an abusive situation. 
So we could do the same blame game with them. No, no, unless unless you've been psychologically manipulated to accept the present scenario, unless there's no actual physical means, because there's no point in leaving a house and then dying on the street, for example. That's another complication. I could do the same thing in return. It still doesn't justify the killing of unborn children, um, even as a last resort. What we're doing is we're taking alcoholism, we're taking spousal abuse, we're doing all of these things, we're talking around the main issue, which is should a person, a mother or father or a state, whatever, should they have the right to kill an innocent, unborn child Mm -hmm. guilty of no offence, even when we know that there are perfectly viable alternatives to prematurely ending a human life? That is, okay. that is the one thing, but here's the, here's the, where's the flaw? Here's the flaw. Okay. So you're talking, you said that if a, if the spouse beats up a woman um, so badly that she miscarries um, that you wouldn't hold her responsible, you would hold the spouse responsible um, because she could have battered woman syndrome. So what is, so you're telling me basically that you're okay with somebody else inducing a, an abortion um, inducing a miscarriage in this woman because of battered wife syndrome. What is the difference in allowing that woman to get an abortion? Why does he? Because why does her? Why does her spouse get to to do that uh, to her instead of her going out and making that choice? Well, he doesn't get to do that. He'd go to prison. Right, he'd go to prison, but she still didn't doesn't get a choice in her body, right? I don't understand your argument. If a man I mean, she's chooses choosing to, to stay there, you're saying, but it, well, I would say she's she's choosing to stay there. But you would say that she's, you know, like, again, she's she's got battered wife syndrome. Right. But like, what is the difference? Where, where, why are we drawing this line here? If it's OK for her to put herself in a situation where her spouse is going to beat her until she miscarries, but it's not OK for her to remove herself from that situation and get an abortion um, so she can more easily remove herself from that situation. I don't understand the line. Well, it's simple. One's a conscious choice. The other one's an unconscious action. If you go, it, to it's a conscious choice to stay with him. Maybe, maybe, no, 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 no. But she didn't because she's got battered wife syndrome. You see, what you're doing is you say a conscious choice to go to an abortion clinic to kill an unborn child is a decision that you have made. A woman who stays with a man, she doesn't want to be to have a miscarriage. She does also doesn't want to get beaten up. But if she suffers from battered wife syndrome or, or whatever the official medical diagnosis or psychological diagnosis, uh, psychiatric diagnosis is, she's not capable of making rational decisions. She would have to be physically removed from that environment because you could not trust her to make the same rational choice of leaving the dom of leaving the residence. So you'd get state services would come in and rip that woman out of that scenario, which would violate her autonomy or whatever you want to spin it. But there's a massive difference between you, Stardust, or whoever watching this, consciously going to an a planned parenthood and killing an unborn child, and a woman who's been so warped and manipulated by a scenario that she cannot anticipate future suffering. Okay. If she's getting what punched if? by her what if you know. she does what if she does want um a miscarriage to 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 help make her like leave that situation but she doesn't want that's to get beat she's prof- so profound. is she is she now responsible because her because her spouse did beat her to the point of in miscarrying the, in the highly unlikely scenario that a woman in a, an abusive relationship wants her partner to induce a miscarriage for whatever reason, that is profoundly that's profoundly immoral. 
That's, that's unbelievable. I mean, first of all, but, okay, she doesn't want nobody wants to be in an abusive relationship. Nobody wants that to be beaten up. But, but let's say she's people. married. Let's let's say in her marriage, she does want a miscarriage because she wants she, to be able to she wants to be able to leave that relationship that's abusive. But she, yeah, I'm but, not but saying she necessarily wants to be beaten. But if her no, if her husband beats her until she miscarries. Stardust, you've talked us down a railroad here. You're, you're, talking, you're talking about an alarmingly specific hypothetical scenario that almost would never occur. That, why do we you, you say do it would never like, occur? Why, why do we think it would order, never occur? Because it's a law and order special victim units episode. It's not. What you're doing, you're, what you're doing is you're, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're getting in the weeds on an incredibly if specific. 25% of, of, of uh, uh, like that statistic that person said that, you know, this doesn't seem like it would be too out of the ordinary. Where, where, so where, again, twenty-five percent, one in four. Where did that number come from? What is the sample size? Who compiled this data? What questions were asked? One in four, one in four abusive relationships ends in a miscarriage. I mean, where do you get? How do you how do you calculate such a thing? There's the, the, the numbers you you can't. This, this is the thing. I lo- I don't use statistics in this fashion because I need to know a the source, b I need to read it, and c it's probably. I mean, I don't even know when it was compiled. Because obviously statistics change over time because you know there are trends sure. and social change. You jump so you can't just question. say one in four in the miscarriage. It doesn't it doesn't work. I hate to do this, but just because we have so many questions I want to get through and I gotta we wanna get uh Kendon out at a decent time because I know it's eleven PM when you started this debate, Kendon. We appreciate you staying up late no, with us. No, it's all right. I mean I can still I can still carry on for a little bit. I mean I don't need my beddy buys just to you got it. This one from Brenton Langle strikes again. He says, I oppose all state violence, not just abortion. Thank you for that, Brenton. I don't Tell know him I say he's you. lame. <coughs> say again? Uh, whoever that super chatter was, I, I called them lame. Uh, you've heard it here first. I've declared them lame. How do you like them apples, Brenton? All right. Anarchy last name says, why should a woman sacrifice their economic output for nine months just because they forgot to take their pill? So you you think that a woman's only value is what she produces materially for the economy? Is that the implication? See, I don't, I don't regard, I think that, you know, creating, you know, life, life's main event is reproduction. The only reason children become adults is to make children. One of the great regrets of my life is that I don't have I don't have children. The idea that you know she gives up. Okay, she does. She's not pregnant anymore, so she has to give up at nine months of you know working in the boot blacking factory or um, working in a mindless zombifying desk job. That's, that, that doesn't sound like an viable alternative, does it? I mean, I'm not saying that she has to be pregnant all the time, and that's not why I'm not going with that. But if the if the only way she could go back to a terrible office job is to kill an unborn child. Um, no, sorry, I, don't, I wouldn't give her that option. You got it, this one coming in from, do appreciate it, Lord Macdath01 says, you didn't answer my question, Kendon. How crippling does a pregnancy have to be? How likely the chance of death in particular before you would draw the line and say that an abortion would be permissible? So if they say, for example, would it have to be that a woman has a 75% chance of her, her life ending if she carries the baby or would 50% be enough? Or does it have to be a 100% probability? 
in order for an abortion to be accepted? These are, these are to be honest, I mean, it's a, it's a fair question, to be honest, but it's one of those questions that only a medical man could answer. I, as I'm not medically trained, I wouldn't know, because, again, we're determining percentage, you know, the, the likelihood of a woman dying because of pregnancy. That must vary from mother to mother. It can't be something that you can't set a universal standard. Uh, it would have to be done by a, a visiting physician who would appraise the situation and then come to a judgment. And then hopefully if they're in self sound mind and, you know, you know, they're professional, um, then obviously we would respect that judgment. Um, but yeah, that's not a question. I'm not qualified to answer the question if I'm being brutally honest. Got it. This one coming in from do appreciate it. First name, last name says, would it be okay to force a man to donate blood for nine months, given that it would save lives? We, we've um, we've had that one, haven't we? Or is that is that someone else who's asked reframed the question? Yeah, I have no. Well, I, I have I have no. Do you know what? I have honestly no objection if the government said, you know, my, my, the British government said, we've got a blood shortage. We need a blood drive. We need to go around our living population and provided obviously they don't have because you know you can't donate blood if you've had cancer. You can't donate blood if you've had sex with men in the last. I think it's four months. You know, because of the risk of HIV contamination, things like that, if you're a gay person. Um, but yeah, I would have no objection to the government saying we need blood stat and then compelling people to donate. I mean, we've just gone through COVID lockdowns where people were compelled to vaccinate. So, yeah, I mean, if, the, if you could produce a credible, if there was a credible scenario where we needed blood pronto, yeah, why not? Why not force people to donate if they can, if they've got, if there are no mitigating circumstances? I'm surprised they don't subsidize it now that you say that in terms of giving blood. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, if you, you know, I mean, in the UK, I don't know what it's like in the US, but in the UK, if you go to like the, the National Blood Service to donate, I can't donate blood for various medical reasons. But, you know, if you can't um, to donate blood, all they give you is like a biscuit and a pat on the head or something. It's like, no, that's not, that's not going to get people. You know, give them some hard cash, you know, buy their blood. That, right. Yeah, um, even five bucks. Would probably go a long way i know what you mean and this one coming in from brian w says okay my main question is this why is it any of your and anyone else's business except the woman that is having the abortion there are lots of things in any society that affect um, very specific groups of people but i have to live in a society where this sort of thing goes on so for example i've never owned a slave i've never been a slave and i've never you know but i still have an opinion on slavery I don't like slavery. I don't want slavery to exist. And if I found out that slavery existed in the UK, I mean, it does exist in the UK, but we would, we, I would support any measure to try and defeat it. The same is true for abortion on demand. I'm never going to have an abortion because I can't make a baby, um, but I still have to live in a society where abortion on demand is legal. Do, am I comfortable with this? You can, the trouble is, is that it's only in the de-abortion debate does that argument come up. Because I'm unlikely to execute someone or to be the victim of the death penalty, but I still have a very strong opinion on the death penalty. Why, why should I be denied the ability to express? Well, I'm not saying that you've done this, either of you. But why should one be denied the ability to express an opinion just because you're not immediately affected? Because you're not a part of that little, you know, social group. You see what I mean? You got it. This one coming in from Al Den says, "Gosh, Kenan." <laughs> They're gunning for you. We got this. Is, I think. Are there any? I, expect, I, expect, I mean, look. If I'm if I'm hilariously wrong, then I don't mind being torn to pieces at all. That's why I love coming onto your channel and other channels because I want I want to be challenged on my. Well, here's um, another challenge. Al Dan says, "Kenan, who would ever try to escape a pro-choice state? A state gets no benefit from forcing births. It is legislating Christian morals. Sharia when." 
Well, it's funny you mention that because in a lot of the Arab countries where obviously Sharia dominates or a version of Sharia dominates, abortion, medical abortions are legal. Like in Saudi Arabia, they perform medical abortions, but they treat it as a religious ritual and they pray over, pay for the soul of the mother, the soul of the child and for the souls of the doctors performing the process because they're effect- because they recognize that they're killing the child. Um, it, I'm not a Christian. I, my, my pro-life position is not Christian based. I, there's a video on my TikTok channel that's been up there for a few weeks now that's done quite well, where a woman asked... Has anybody heard an argument against versus against Roe versus Wade that's not based in Christianity? And I managed to do it in about what two and a half, three minutes. It is possible to be pro-life and not be religious in the same way that Kay Fellows, who I keep mentioning, is pro-life, but she's also pagan. So you know, she's you know, you, you don't. It's not it's not Judeo-Christian morality that's necessarily informing my pro-life uh, position. You got it. This one coming in from, do appreciate it, Dan Dawson says, what is a quote, unquote, unborn child? A child, by definition, is person that is between the stages of birth and adulthood. So they're saying it. Well, I mean, the pith- well, I was going to say the, the, pithy, the pithy answer is an unborn child is a child that has, it hasn't left the womb yet. But I mean, obviously, that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't explain anything. Personhood is a profound philosophical problem. You know, if a child is in the womb, but is asleep effectively because it's surrounded by the amniotics fluid and all the rest of it. Um, you know, is it is it still a person? I would argue that it is if it's got a heartbeat, neural function. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is again, you, you, it's a you're splitting fine hairs. So yes, it's. Um, I mean, this here's another scenario that that you could take that argument and flip it around. Um, would you allow abortions like two weeks before birth? You know, the answer would be probably not because that's a perfectly healthy, viable baby that would otherwise live. So is that a person? Is 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 being in the womb a reason to deny personhood? Do people become people only when they leave the uterus? See, that it, it, that leads to more questions and it, it's incredibly complicated to answer. You got it. And thank you very much for your question. This one coming in. <laughs> From Brenton Langle again. Here you go. Oh, it's him. He's high energy. I like that, Brenton. It's that pea protein. He doesn't. He doesn't do soy. Brenton, I love you, buddy. He does. He tells me. He says I don't do soy. It's pea protein. But he says, should a person be allowed? And that's P E A protein. So should a person be allowed to kill an unborn child? Quote unquote is a begging the question fallacy. You must presuppose the answer. It's circular reasoning. You'll have to elaborate on that. Well, he may not be, he may not use soy. I'm going to call him soy though. So take that, Brenton, whatever your last name is. Have you crossed paths before? I haven't. I just chose him randomly to fight with. That's fun. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah, sorry, Brenton, that question wasn't any good. You're going to, I mean, by all means, challenge me challenge us but i mean you know you're gonna to have to reframe it because i don't i don't know what your point ultimately was. tell him to fight me tell brenton that he may not eat soy but i'm calling him soy he doesn't need soy because he is soy so yeah tell, tell, Bren, tell, Bren, tell brenton that if he doesn't form his arguments properly i'll do the rest of this um this in this conversation in my donald trump voice just to annoy him That's, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah he's not exactly go ahead not exactly a trump supporter but let's see maybe we'd say it's like i don't know if it'd be a formal a question begging fallacy like i'm trying to you, you might say maybe it's like a question begging epithet where it's like it's i think he's just saying like hey like to assert that is like we're not willing to grant 
on the pro-choice side that it's a child. Uh, but well, but the uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of see where he's coming from because I regard it as a child. I don't think that killing children is is right in, in this scenario. If you deny its childhood, its childness, the question then becomes: At what point does it become a child? And um, that's another that's another philosophical quandary. Because I regard it as a child in the womb. I don't want to kill it. I don't want to see it killed. I don't want to live in a culture where it can be killed. Um, but that's the basis of my entire argument. If you don't accept it's a child, then okay, abortion might be perfectly visible. But then you'd have to explain at what point does this unborn creature become a child that's worth preserving, worth keeping. Um, so I think the burden, it, it, it's not just all on me, it's all also on the pro-choice movement um, to, to, to justify their position. You got it. At this least. one coming in from Brian W says, Hey James, looking good. It's always the man who has to say that. But well, I'll you take it. Good, thank so, you. Your beard is immaculate. Your beard is immaculate. Thank you. I it's, just, it's never... Why can't a woman say it, though? Thank you, though, Brian, for real. Okay, this one coming in from Brian says, Question is, why do you debaters work on your... Why don't you work on your deeply personal interests instead of butting into women's rights to do with their body what they choose? More directed at Kendon, they say. Well, Can I respond to it? Yeah, go. Now, I, I talk on issues that affect people that don't affect me all the time. So maybe you should butt your head out of this if you can't handle it. Uh, I am not one of those people who gatekeeps conversations. So, yeah. Well, no, it's like, uh, you know, well, thank you, Stardust, because I was that was about to be my point. It's like um, it's very sexist to assume that, you know, because obviously we're not two species with two halves of one men and women. Right. Um, but also he's forgetting this person's ignoring that at least half of the pro-life movement in America is female. So you can't say it's men versus women. That's a crude oversimplification. At least half pro-lifers are women and, and, and obviously but the pro-choice movement, they're not all they're not all women either. So yeah, it's not you can't just say, oh, it's all misogyny or it's male chauvinism or whatever. There are it's this is a complicated topic, and everybody's allowed to chip in if they live in the culture or live outside. I mean, look, I'm in the UK and I'm commenting on what is effectively an American issue. Why should I be denied this opportunity? You got it. This one coming in from do appreciate your question. First name, last name says stop pretending. Should that be based on sex? So I, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand either. I don't. I'm know blaming it on Breton. I'm, bl I'm blaming it on Breton. Breton, this is your fault. Uh, yeah, I mean yeah. a little bit. Yeah. It's, they. I don't know if they just. I, I really don't know. First name, last name. Let me know if you want to clarify that. This one coming in from King Ed V says, "What gives him the right to tell people what to do with their body or life, especially if their choice doesn't directly affect his life?" This is kind of. I hate to. Sorry, I mean, if you want to respond, Ken, then you can. But I got to tell you, folks, some of your super chats are remarkably similar to some of the other ones that have come in. But I, hey, if you want, Kendon, if you want to reply, you can. But I don't know if you, it's kind of similar to some of the last ones. Well, again, but again, that's the, this is the only topic in which that argument's ever used. I mean, there are lots of things you cannot do. Society won't let you do to your body. Like if I saw someone trying to hack off their own ear with a knife, 
I would try to stop them. Um, body modification, you can do that, but only within certain limits and only under certain medical supervision. There's all sorts of laws and regulations stopping you from doing exactly what you want to do with your body. The idea that this is the only issue where everyone should stay back and there's only two people involved, the mother and the doctor, um, it doesn't hold water. Um, you know, there are, as I say, there are restrictions on your body all the time. You know, the you know what you eat, what you can eat, what you can have sex with, um, have, you know, all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. So yeah, there's, of course, I'm going to impose restrictions on people. We do it all the time in other scenarios. You got it. This one coming in from. Do appreciate it. Brian W says, "How does abortion affect you?" Given your answer, Kenan, it's kind of similar to a lot of these. Like, well, um, well, I mean, I'll, I'll try and answer it. Um, essentially, I'm tired of living in a civilization where there's a fundamental hypocrisy, at least in British culture, and I dare say it's true in America, although the Americans will have to contribute on this one, where I'm told that I, everybody matters, everyone has innate value, uh, I should care about everybody, I should care about the homeless, I should care about orphans, junkies, and Syrian refugees, Ukrainian refugees, I should care about this, this, and this, but we can't decide, but there is a disconnect here because life has no innate value, because a mother can terminate a pregnancy for no discernible or no, no decent reason I'm happy with and just kill it outright. It kind of invalidates, you know, it, it makes everything relative. It makes everything callous and materialistic. It means that everything can be quantified and commodified. And I resist this passionately. Um, I believe that all life has innate value, even if it's disabled, even if it's poor, even if I you know, think it's you know, not particularly pleasant to look at. It has innate value. Um, and so in the same, for the same reason, I don't like the death penalty. I don't like abortion on demand. Can I, I yeah. just say something really quick? Um, the pro-life, um, and this doesn't change my answer on it, but um, American self-ID on abortion for 2022, um, I believe it's like women only make up 33% of pro-life people. So um, so I, I wouldn't say that it's like, it, it seems like it's more men in the pro-life camp, but I would still say that just because you're not affected by it doesn't mean you can't comment on it. You know, so I comment on things I'm not affected by all the time. I don't like to get pe keep people out of conversations, but yeah. Yeah. You got it. This one coming in from do appreciate your question. Anarchy last name says socialist Kendon wants to deny we live under capitalism. It's not our choice to be units of economic output. So why should a woman be forced into a disadvantageous position compared to men? Um, this anarchist thinks I'm a socialist. How did he come to that conclusion? I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you could challenge my points. He's fair to do that. But yeah, I'm not saying that, you know, we, of course, we live under capitalism, which, in my opinion, is the best economic model with regulations. Um, but most capitalist societies have socialist welfare states anyway. And so I don't understand, you know, one feeds the other. Um, I've no, I'm not a socialist. I'm not even. I, I'm, I have some left-wing ideas, but I'm a card-carrying member of the UK Conservative Party. So, yeah, I don't know where you got the idea that I'm a socialist. You got it. Uh, this one. This may be our last one. Lord McDath Double Zero One says again, Kenan. What about crippling? How much damage to the mother's body can a fetus do before it's morally allowable to abort? I think they're saying so. If a woman is not necessarily killed, but if her body is crippled or in some way permanently damaged, maybe even well, to being vegetarian. Well, 
I would refer to my previous answer. One, I'm not a medical man, so it would be unwise for me to sort of, you know, pontificate on that, beyond the specificities of that kind of policy. But also, if a medical man, if a proper medico knows that a woman is going to be crippled by a natural birth, then presumably a cesarean section would be requested. Um, or, um, because also bear in mind that if the birth is so traumatic, it cripples the mother, it's definitely going to cripple the baby and the baby's probably going to die anyway. So I would have thought, you know, again, you need someone with proper medical knowledge and training to answer that question. But yeah, it's not like the mother's the only one's going to be affected and the baby's going to be fine. Surely both mother and baby would be affected by that whole traumatic process. Can I respond as well? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would say, what's his name again? Lord, uh, Lord Death, Lord Doom, 001, whatever. Lord McDeath. Okay. The amount, I would say, is however crippled your mom was last night when I got done railing her. Boom. Owned. Thank you for that. Get a better username. This one coming in from, we appreciate your gusto, your energy. You certainly have a lot of it. This last couple, we gotta, and then we really have to wrap up. So, folks, I gotta say, forgive me, but we've gotta wrap up these last. These last two were the last two. Kendon, why is nothing analogous to pregnancy? Brenton Langle says, "You were throwing logic away. No two things are perfectly analogous, but we still can make analogies that are reasonable." Well, no, you can make analogies provided you recognize that the analogy is a imperfect, b hypothetical and C doesn't quite map onto the abortion debate or into the other, to the other scenario. What I don't like is when people use analogies that are, you know, reasonably sound despite their flaws, but assume that because they've established this analogy that they've won the, the you know, they've, they've solved the other issue. There are problems unique to pregnancy, childbirth, child raising, and of course, abortion on demand that are not covered by, um, the violinist dilemma that are not covered by any of the other scenarios. So while I'm happy to entertain an analogy, what I don't want is to sort of rely on that as the answer to the initial problem. So yes, okay, you could tease it. It's an intellect. It's a thought experiment, right? It's a thought experiment. That's all good. We all do it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But let us not rely on it or give up once we've come to a satisfying answer, which is what I get a lot of the time when I'm, I'm talking about this issue. So if I if I was throwing away. No, no, no. I was going to say, if it appears I was throwing away analogy, well, no, because it's a rhetorical construct. It's quite useful. I just recognize the limitations of that form of argument. I want, I want to say to, to uh, uh, if, if it's okay to kill a child if a child hurts the mother, um, is it okay if a, if a three-year-old jumps onto, like, into a mother's arms and, and breaks one of her arms, is it okay to do the, be- the death penalty for the three-year-old? I think that should be fair, right? That's I don't. That's that. That question's ridiculous. Why would breaking Good. someone's capital offense? Well, I mean, if we're okay, well, never mind. I was mean. I was making a joke. Never mind. Sorry. Well, no. We appreciate our guests. It's, so it's one o'clock in the morning. It's one o'clock in the morning. You'll have to forgive me. I've had a long day <laughs> yeah, at work. It's all good. It's all good. I'm, 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 I'm caffeinating myself just to keep myself awake. So if I see it being wired or, or, or dull-witted, it's uh, because my body is rejecting everything. So carry on. Yeah, carry on. We want to <laughs> say, folks, we appreciate our guests so much. Seriously, they're linked in the description. If you'd like to learn more about their views, you certainly can. As I mentioned, Kendon has a based, gigantic 
huge 750,000 follower following on TikTok. So you can check that out as well as, as I mentioned, Stardust is like my, my little twin sister, Starburst, Stardust, Fart Dust. All of those nicknames apply. We really do appreciate you, Stardust, seriously. And I'm not just saying that she's my little sister just for the sake of saying it. I'm, I'm telling you, Stardust hosts epic debates, controversial stuff on her channel. She's linked below as well. So my dear friends, we really do appreciate our guests. You can check out their views below. But want to say thank you, Stardust and Kendon. It has been a true pleasure to have you with us tonight. Yeah, thank you very much for having for having me, James. And Stardust, I know we don't agree on this issue, but if you ever want to have a chat again on something else, I would happily, you know, entertain yeah, the conversation. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you again. Yeah, it was, yeah I think so, it was a really, really good conversation. So thanks for thanks for having me. No, so, um, bye. Thanks so much, bye. Anne. I'll be back in just a moment, folks. The when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.